0: December Fourteenth, Twenty Eighteen, and after a months and months long absence, it is the beginning of the year and season here at Psychology is Dead. I am your host, the ever anxious and moody, and with me, as usual, for the top fifty festivities, Timothy from this week in wrestling. Timothy, long time no speak how's it been for you and are you excited to get into the third third iteration of this
1: yeah i uh you tricked me into this one quentin i didn't realize this we're doing the top 50 i thought you were inviting me on so i could talk about how much florida sucks shit (laughs) um i thought we were just that's what this podcast was was talking about how shitty florida no i just got back from florida um which was interesting it was for a work conference and uh It was nice because I had my list done before I left and I was there for like a week. So just knowing that like as soon as I got back, we're going to start this and I was prepared was like nice. When you talk about the anxiety, it was really nice to have that feeling. Um, I also had some work projects that I recently finished up too. And uh, so just having that back to back kind of off my shoulders was really cool. Um, The recording part can usually be pretty fun compared to like making the list. But this year we're talking about a little bit and like making the list – I've had, an, I've had an interesting year. Wrestling has had an interesting year. Everyone's talked about it. But, you know, I focused around March, April. I focused a lot more on being active, getting in, in better shape. Um, so I've been feeling like my focus on wrestling is not there. So I thought, God, do I even know 50 wrestlers worth talking about for this thing? And, like, I just thought 50 is going to be impossible for me to put together. But then as I made the list, I'm like – 50 is like not that many. Like 50 is not a lot of guys. There was a lot of good guys. I say guys, a lot of good wrestlers this year who deserve the recognition and are on my list There's people that I still feel like I kind of probably missed out on and should have had them higher or on my list at all. And I just didn't. So even in what felt like a year where even I wasn't that focused, a lot of people are, you know, continuing with the trend of saying this weird, this year is so weird. Um, There's still a lot of good wrestling and a lot of good stuff to talk about. So.
0: Yeah. For me this year, I think the prevailing thought was everywhere else seems to be uh, either dying or trying to get itself back together after, um, obviously, the NAC-UK stuff um, that's been popping up lately, the scene trying to gather itself together after um, the departures of guys like uh, War Machine and Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. popping up less and less in places. Um, the news of Walter signing a WWE deal. So,
1: Well, even Hero. I mean, mm-hmm. I think at Hero still, being gone still, was like reverberating a lot this year from the beginning. Oh, 100%. Uh, on the US Indies, yeah.
0: So. And even beyond departures, like something like um, CWF Mid-Atlantic and them trying to uh, yeah. figure themselves out this year after the departure of um, Stutsy and uh, the whole uh, little situation they had going on over there. It took a big chunk out of my viewing. Um, personally, like, right. Flow Slam, like, CWF, oh, was like, gonna you, say- you're gonna mention Flow Slam,
1: <laughs> yeah, Flow Slam and Evolve, like, Flow Slam leading to the the unimportance of or the feeling of unimportance for Evolve WWN family, took made a big hit for another promotion that I think everyone was following pretty closely. Uh, uh, Dragon Gate,
0: you know, Dragon Gate, um, had a real shaky 2017,
1: and then they have an even shakier 2018, you know, right? When, but um, I mean. That also led to OWE, which was like something that was really fun to watch, but you know, with the Twitch model and everything else that was going on but, and but even, keeping then, up with but it. even then
0: that faded away like pretty quickly after um yeah. Strongheart showed up.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So it's been a really strange year. You know, a lot of people calling um this year in WWE uh one of the maybe the worst year in like twenty five years. Uh between Raw being god awful, NXT, uh not yeah. like not being in a great space. You know, SmackDown's been alright, 205 Live. People a lot like a lot of people like 205 Live, but for the uh most part, people have been really, really down on WWE this year. Uh a New Japan year where people um have had really uh varying opinions. There weren't the undisputed um, you know what, this is a classic matches uh that twenty seventeen had. There was a yeah. lot of uh, not being to- totally into guys like Naito and Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada going through his changes and really like the MVP of the year wound up being, you know, Hiroshi, Tan- Hiroshi Tanahashi who a lot of people had wrote off in the last uh, year or so or even by January 4th thought maybe Hiroshi Tanahashi just isn't that good anymore. So it's a lot of stuff that's been going on this year. You know, fucking Hiroshi Takahashi breaking his neck. Like there's been so yeah. much shit that's happened this year that I don't even feel like this top 50 is as representative as uh, a as, as, rep- as, as representative of the year that was 2018 as it could be because it's really hard to put 2018 into accurate uh, words I think
1: yeah no that's that's definitely all like very true there's just like on top of most of like those issues. There's also just like bigger stuff going on that's like behind the scenes that we're not even seeing. That's like coloring opinions on a lot of stuff, um, injuries, everything. It's yeah, it's 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 been very interesting. The New Japan stuff too. I mean, it feels like people have become even more galvanized this year on new japan um but even then still i think you're right that even the hardcores who defend new japan you know no matter what everything's great don't feel like they're as crazy into new japan as they have been in the past and then the people who are you know have been their haters on new japan are like going even deeper into it me i just kind of i to be honest checked out more and more on new japan Mm, um I mean, obviously, I watched the big stuff, all of the G1 and the big matches, but realistically, it was like not as exciting for me to watch most of it. Um, Yeah, so it's just been it has been a little bit all over the place this year um, in a lot of different places. And then just positives and negatives, weird stratification, me personally kind of changing my. The way my outlook on how I'm kind of rating stuff a lot more focus. I mean, some of the same focuses stuff like being a really good champion is mm. going to like do well for me um, as it has in the past. But also st- like more character work, star power, things like that are standing out more and more because it feels like there's less and less of it. Mm. Um, so it's like something that I put a premium on this year a lot, it, especially because I mean, there's a reason why I do this with you instead of the matches. And that's because I don't remember shit from matches, really. Like, I do, but not as well as you and Brock do. That's right. why, like, you've offered and talked about it, and it just doesn't make sense for me. But something like this does, because I remember the overall feel of people a lot better mm. and how I felt about performances throughout the year and kind of breaking that stuff down. And, like I said, star power, all that, is more my up my alley. And this was a year where that was, like, definitely um, even more a focus for me just because a lot of, I mean, some I'll talk about it somewhat, but like some formula type matches seem to like people to just really get into that, that structure to the point where like they have matches that always end up somewhere above three stars, but they don't stand out really in any way, just repetitiveness stuff going over and over again. But even if it's good, you know, it's just not as, um, not as exciting actually now that i look at my list and the way that i'm talking there's someone who i have like pretty high who was getting other people getting a lot of conversations about wrestler of the year conversations and it feels like probably part of that is because what he was doing was just kind of so much different and just stood out so much from what other people were doing and in a lot of ways i think a lot of my people um this year who end up higher and maybe I'll be higher than a lot of people were. It was because of that more than anything. It was that like, they were just doing something different, even if like, you know, very good and executing it super well, but just different than what was going on with the rest of the pack.
0: Mm. That definitely is a, something that I had as far as some upper tier people, not going to lie. Like a lot of it is still based off of like who had um, the most matches where I felt like they were really good in the matches or they were really good matches or performances where I'm like, wow, that's one of the best wrestlers in the world, or they elevated, um, uh, quote unquote, lesser talent to, a, uh, to a higher level. But yeah, something like bringing a different feel was definitely something that was more in play for me this year than, uh, previous, uh, lists we've had to do. So before we get yeah, into it, so before we get into it, you know, I always ask, uh, what are your blind spots this year? And you mentioned not focusing as much on wrestling, uh, with your new outlook on focusing more on your health and getting healthier and a lot of that affecting your wrestling viewing and people don't really realize like how much when you do stuff like this like being a psycho wrestling fan that watches everything takes a lot out of you so now that you're not in a space like that like how's this how much is that taking from you
1: um i mean it's it's um it hasn't taken an insane amount from my viewing, but it has kind of in some ways, I guess, consecrated my viewing in some areas and just made it like, so I'm more focused in certain areas and not as wide. I've definitely started cherry picking a lot more, which is difficult for me still. So like just picking out matches from shows and not feeling the need to watch full shows. So I'm doing more of that, which I never used to do. Um, and kind of gets to me uh, blind spots wise. I mean, as much as like, tried it's like joshi and the thing that sucks is that like this was a year where i focused a lot on women's wrestling outside of japan and have like a good amount of women's wrestlers on my list but not a lot of joshi wrestlers just because it was like my one of my last minute pushes again and i just didn't get to it um probably because of the work trip to florida <laughs> if i had mm-hmm. had that time still so i probably would have got my joshi catch up before it happened but then also just all japanese wrestling was like down for me in a lot of ways um I watched some Big Japan. I watched some DDT. Um, but, you know, Wrestle 1 was kind of off the table for me almost completely. Noah uh, didn't really dip in. I mean, God, I probably, maybe at the end of the year, I probably saw like five matches from Noah this year, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, DDT just not, or not DDT, um, Dragon Gate not being that good was more of the turnoff there. I probably could have made the time for Dragon Gate if it was good, but um, Australia I think me and you both were like excited for Australia to turn out to be like the next hot scene similar to the UK scene and that didn't really come to be um there were some good matches but nothing that really like warranted kind of getting into it and I think it has to do also with the region I mean the ge- the geographics of Australia and trying to compare that to something like the UK was not fair from the beginning um so yeah my blind spots have just been kind of I'm still watching most of the stuff but in a kind of turned down way a little bit, you know, more of the cherry picking more of a, more of like not worrying so much about watching everything. Mm.
0: Uh, For me, it definitely was a year where I found myself watching less U.S. Indies. there's just, there wasn't a lot that was grabbing my attention. Eventually, um, stuff like, Sup I thought was managing to grab my attention better than a lot of stuff was, uh, earlier on in the year. But really, a lot of the stuff um, for me this year came down to uh, being really uh, frustrated and hurt by a lot of the changes going on in wrestling, especially when it came to the European and more specifically like the English scene that me and you have spent like so much time propping up and talking about and even like trying to educate and be like on the forefront of that kind of stuff and putting a light on it and seeing that stuff crumble of a real bad taste in my mouth. uh. Dragon Gate, my favorite promotion ever, having a really tough time for most of the year, definitely left me in a really bad state. CWF, especially uh post last K- last year's battlecade and that really frustrating Trevor Lee versus Roy Wilkins match. With the bad taste in my mouth. So, three things that I'm really fond of in the wrestling world uh took a turn this year. So... I've had to find refuge in other places, and really, for me, the refuge I found or the place where I found myself getting the most enjoyment was Japan this year. Watching a lot more uh, DDT and NOAA and BJW and Freedoms and all that kind of stuff, that was where I started to find most of my enjoyment in wrestling again after having a really uh, tough time for most of the year trying to figure out where exactly I fit in with my fandom anymore. So as far as blind spots, uh, obviously WWE, but that's gonna be a blind spot for both of us. Uh, yeah,
1: welcome to the club.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't watch a ton of Mexico this year, but it's really a, it's a thing where after thinking that 2017 was a down year for Mexico and we're gonna come back and have this awesome year, I didn't really think it was that awesome, and I know I'm in a minority on that because a lot of people love the. Uh, stuff with LA Park and Rush, and spoiler, those guys don't make my list. Um, Phoenix didn't make my list. Uh, Pentagon didn't make my list. Lumina and Bandito didn't make my list. And I think generally, I just had um sort of of, of a fatigue of the uh, bigger names or the more exposed names in Lucha this year, and that's what wound up happening. Um. Other notable names outside of Mexico that missed my list, you know, I was going to shock some people, but guys like Kenny, Omega and Megan, Tatsuguido missed my list this year. Um, I didn't feel strong enough about any either of them this year to try to uh, get them a spot on my list. Do you have any uh, other notable exemptions on
1: yours? Abushi, I mean, mm, okay. you just you just talking about Kenny made me realize that, um, and he was one I was thinking about. Kenny does make my list, and uh you know not insanely high but not high as high as he has in the past but you know he's he does make it for me um but you know i mean yeah i think Ilya Ilya dragunov doesn't make my list and that's one that was a close one but uh but didn't uh i don't know again just kind of had some stuff hideki suzuki mentioned that off the air but he's a guy that is perennially on kind of in my top tier usually, but this year his work just didn't, he just didn't have the highs to justify it to me in a lot of ways. Um, and he's a guy who a lot of it is on work, you know, with just the way talk people talk about. It. I like his charisma personally. It's a subtle charisma that I've always kind of liked. Um, and I think that some people overlook it to the point. It's like, I mean, it's similar to Daniel Bryan when people used to try to say he didn't have charisma. And it's like even a more stoic version of the same thing where you're like, no, there's something there. You just don't appreciate it. Hmm. Um Cause you see boring people and I mean, boring people are like the rings, like the Russians from rings. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> a lot of those guys were like actually boring people. They were not like charismatic people who like really had something to them. Um, and like, you know, there's a difference between that and someone who their character is a lot more subdued. But yeah, I mean, those are like the big ones for me. Um, Trevor Lee. I mean, a guy who went from being the top and like a guy who I want to make a place for, but I just couldn't bring myself to, um, you know, just barely missed my list. And then there's some people who, like, were close and closer than you would think that were, like, kind of interesting for me. Um, someone like Lars Sullivan, I mm. think I wouldn't have predicted would be as high as I would have him. Um, but close to the list, but not quite there. Um, you know, so that's, like, there's a couple people like that, too, who were kind of the other way. Um, not just, like, missing the list, but, like, not, like, missing the list when they should have made it, but like just barely missing the list in an impressive, in an impressive fashion.
0: Mm. All right. So with all our bases covered here, are you ready to get a, get into the top 50 here?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. So we're going to be doing our 50 through 26 in this installment. I'll lead us off here. Since I, I have a feeling you'll have this guy higher. I'd be surprised if we didn't make your list in some capacity, But my number 50 this year is Robbie Eagles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about him moderately shortly. Um, Now, my 50 is an interesting one. You might have one of the members, but not the team. Um, Or you might have multiple of the members, but you didn't put them as the team. But I actually think they make the most sense as a unit. Um, And my number 50 this year is More Than Hype. More Than Hype. Barely missed my list this year. Yeah. And I just I felt like the three of them, we talked about it, but the issues with kind of the UK scene and the Europe scene in general, they were I mean, they took that name in a funny way, like, I think it talked to something else, but it turned into kind of meaning something bigger than maybe what they meant, which is that, like, they were kind of showing that there was an act or still showing that there is an actual backbone to the Irish scene, as opposed to Kind of how people were looking at it and maybe even the way that people look at the UK scene kind of now um, where there's there are young stars being made um, and who are building up from nothing in the UK or in the Irish scene in OTT specifically. Who um, actually have something, and it doesn't have to just be imports. Um, and they made sense at the same time, even though they weren't aligned with him on screen. But you knew that they were, you know, his students. Um, it made sense with Jordan Devlin working this year with the Import Killer gimmick um, on the top of the cards to have this group that was the kind of showing the other side of that same concept, like uh, being the workhorses of Ireland, not just being like I'm going to beat the top guys from around the world, but being like the workhorses within Ireland. Um, took up that mantle really well. A really cool for them this year too is that they replaced Adam Cole as the guys who are the guests yearly for uh, the Alan Forel podcast um, which is interesting to have him Alan not just talking to like a popular indie wrestler but talking to three indie wrestlers that are from nearby him instead of all the way in America mm. um, from his same country so you got to like kind of hear them too which also like again was another thing that was part of putting that OTT Irish wrestling scene on their backs they speak to the entire um scene when they go out there they're making they're trying to support the company i really really liked that from them great matches tag team and trios matches um lj cleary has amazing uh, charisma um really great selling a little i don't know a little goofy in a way um a little kind of kid brother in a way that who knows if he'll ever be able to kind of you know grow his legs completely from that but uh but yeah i just thought that them in the role that they filled constantly being thrown in there with a lot of different teams different levels of of uh of who you know different levels of experience between the people that they're wrestling and um different like levels of overness they'll sometimes get random matches with imports they'll also get random matches with um with smaller like other student basic level people and they always deliver huge in whatever role they're doing. Um, really loved the match against the Rascals um, and Satamura. I thought that that was fucking phenomenal. Just everything there. Um, so yeah, I just... Uh, guys who really again, like I said, this is like kind of setting the tone for my list is guys who really meant something in wrestling and stood out as something and that mm-hmm. was kind of why they get the nod for me here.
0: Yeah, LJ... Nathan and Darren are all very different, and all bring something different to the table, but you said as a unit, they're just such a well oiled machine, and they fit in there with any combination of people they put them and put them in there with this year and that's really admirable for uh three guys as young as they are um Nathan is certainly the most polished of them right now, and if you had Nathan on your list without l j and Darren, I wouldn't have looked at you crazy, but I do think it does speak the the noise that they've made as a group that you've uh, included that uh, included more than hype as the complete package and not just Nathan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was intentional as I just talked about it. It's like, it's about pointing out what they mean. And I think that, yeah, Nathan is probably the most polished. Um, but I think they mean a lot more as a group than they do as, you know, individual wrestlers right now, especially in, um, in ireland and in the scene overall Hmm.
0: all right well my number 49 is a man that i would be surprised if you had on your list this year considering uh your blind spot that is the wwe but
1: my number 49 this year is mustafa ali he missed my list but not by much uh right now he's at 67
0: so as someone that um would not be a 205 live truther that isn't watching every week. That isn't head over heels for the product they've been offering this year. Mustafa Ali is still stood out for me more than anyone else on that show. Um, I think 2018 kind of exposed Cedric Alexander as maybe not being ready to be sort of like the lead babyface of a, of a television show. I think Buddy Murphy stepping in as lead heel, like, well, it's working for some people. It isn't working for me, and he's not someone I look forward to discussing when... Um, I'm on the panel for the formerly known as We Always Barry Tanners. I'm not looking forward to talking about Buddy Murphy at all. But Mustafa Ali, whether it was against uh, Jack Gallagher, Drew Gulak, I like the first and the last, no, first and last maybe, or first and uh, third Buddy Murphy matches. I like the I like the Cedric match from WrestleMania. They did they did a little bit too much with the I'm the heart and I'm the soul stuff, but I did like that match. Um, I really like the Darby match that he just had from one of the more recent Evolve loops. He's a guy where regardless he just delivers and he just he felt like the real top guy on the show all year, regardless of whether or not he was actually the main focus with guys like Buddy Murphy and uh. Like around, it, felt like, oh, it felt like Mustafa Ali show. Um, the Hideo Itami stuff is fucking fantastic. I think the Hideo Itami matches or the last big Hideo Itami match is better, is better than all of the Buddy Murphy stuff. And that speaks to the level of year that Ali was having that he was able to have that good of a match with uh, broken down Hideo Itami. And the biggest testament I can give a guy is that on a show that I don't particularly care about On a show that, you know, I feel like has a lot of uh, uh, things about it that if it was done otherwise, some people that praise it would definitely not be going as crazy for it if it wasn't in WWE, I still feel like Mustafa Ali rises above that bad taste in my mouth because Mustafa Ali, when he gets the chances, is still one of the best wrestlers in the world, and on this show, every Wednesday night, he went up there and delivered. Amongst the Enzo, amongst the Enzo controversy, amongst the fact that he probably should have been the cruiserweight champion coming out of WrestleMania and getting pushed to the side and all that kind of stuff, Mustafa Ali just continued to go out there and have great match after great match after great match just that week, and that was enough to get him on. The, that was enough to get him on the list this year for me.
1: Yeah. And no, I mean, that's completely true. And he was a guy who being invested in him before 205 Live helped in a lot of ways for me, too, because like you said, it wasn't it didn't feel just like um, a guy who happened to be better than what you can expect out of the WWE. He actually felt like just a really fucking great wrestler. Um, there is something to be said for the uphill battle aspect of his work which is really impressive too that every fucking match he would have always was fighting against having a really shitty crowd that Mm -hmm. wasn't invested and he always got would get the crowd at least somewhat invested in his matches which is really really impressive um amazing look really turned it up for the, the the main or for wwe in general and as we're speaking you know just recently had that big angle with daniel bryan which is like uh was you know done really well and could be capitalized to make him into a relevant act i mean it's wwe so that probably won't happen but uh it could you know mm. so uh my 49 i don't think you'll have him on the list i really don't especially you saying you weren't invested in uh, u.s indies at all this year but is kevin Koo?
0: no kevin Koo did not make my list but one of those guys where if i uh watched that powerbomb tv loop more often then he would have had a better chance
1: yeah and i watch a lot of it especially for this week in wrestling but he was a guy that i was already super high on towards the end of last year i kind of talked about it i think i tweeted something out or talked about it on a podcast about how they were bringing out kind of what were considered bigger names to some smaller federations here in socal and i was kind of saying i i'm not excited at all for that i'd rather see kevin Koo, (laughs) you know and that was like late last year um the guy just has in the intangibles really well. He kind of, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of um, Alistair Black. I mean, obviously he goes for that a little bit. And he's got the tattoos and everything, but he's also got the really nice stiff striking style, great intensity. Um, really harder, a lot harder with the intensity than Alistair Black ever was. Uh, Alistair Black a lot of times came across a lot more like um, stealth assassin kind of guy. Um, really maybe more like a hybrid of kind of that, you know, dynamite kid, um, Davy Richards, and Aleister Black kind of style. Uh, heavy striking, stiff kicks. Great. Then towards the end of the middle, end of the year, starts tagging more and more with Dominic Guarini, um, which is producing some of the best tag team matches. Also um,
0: produced one of the worst tag team names I've seen in years.
1: Yeah, yes, it's fucking dreadful. <laughs> um, it's the worst. Everyone agrees it's such a bad tag name. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that that tag team would probably be on my top 50 if it wasn't for the fact that I think Garini separate as a singles is just so much higher um Mm. that it wouldn't make sense for me to put both to put them together um and do the team especially the team didn't have that really many matches and that is one thing about the way that we do it where we allow the tag team but you gotta you know you gotta not account for the singles work and you're really saying that the tag team unit is in that space at least that's the way i look at it Mm. because otherwise if we're going to combine just like output and and happen to be a tag team regularly like CCK, if you include, like, Calamari Thatch Kings, is, like, the number one for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Calamari like, Thatch Kings.
0: is CCK and everything under that umbrella and Ring Conf. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That would be like basically just the top spot. Um, Schattenfreude basically would be like the top spot. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's like if you go with the the kind of the spirit of what we're doing there. Um, yeah, Kevin Koo just a lot of great matches and a guy who, you know, something I talked about repeatedly uh, reviewing his matches is a guy who can be stuffed into scramble matches on random shows and would always make a big splash and stand out um, as being super crisp and um, just well polished and then feeling like the really important at the end of the match no matter how small his role was in the matches so yeah a guy who really just stood out again um and that's like kind of what's doing it for people this year for making it on my list getting the recognition is being able to stand out
0: mm. um so my 48 would be one darius lockhart
1: holy shit what on the money baby My oh. 48 is also darius Lockhart. <laughs> Alright, uh, we, we, we never have it happen this early. And the weird thing is, we, me and you, have not really talked about Darius with each other very much this year.
0: Yeah, we have not, so this is truly, like, <laughs> surprising.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's uh, weird. Okay.
0: Um, So, I guess I'll start with Darius. Uh,
1: One of
0: the most um, complete wrestlers for the kind of stuff that I like... And it's insane when you think about Darius because he actually started off as a heel, which still pisses me off yeah, very much to this day that Darius Lockhart, of all people, had to start off as a heel, especially for the character that he's playing. But, you know, that's sour grapes. I'll, I'll try to let that go. But, you know, once he turned babyface, I think the sky was really the limit for him because he is so genuinely likable and believable, and you want to see him win, and you root for him. And if PWX wasn't so bad this year at putting out footage, then he'd be he'd be higher on my list. But whatever problems PWX had about not putting stuff out that timely and all that did hurt him. But the little bits of Darius we got this year, I really love. Loved him against yeah. Shane Strickland. Loved him against Chip Day. Loved him against Slim J. Uh, Liked his... Um, stuff in other smaller smaller scale indies like his appearance in the SCI. Um he's a guy he's a guy I love to see pop up more in places like sup In action and uh more more stuff in that loop. But yeah, like the Darius doesn't have a lot, but the Darius that we got this got this year, I really 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 enjoyed everything that he does. Great striking, he can throw bombs, he can sell his ass off, he can work on top Uh, He can do the chain wrestling with the best of them. Great, unique-looking offense. You know, he's a guy where... He's still super young. I think he's, like, 23, 24 years old still. Super young. And I do think, like, this scene is wide open for him right now. And if he wants it, he could become a player in some places the way, like, an Anthony Henry, you know, scratched and clawed and grinded for years. And eventually he became a player and evolved. And I think with the wrestling scene in the u.s as wide open as it is right now and even in europe that if darius lockhart wants it he can go out there and take one of those spots and i really hope he does in 2019
1: yeah i mean i was talking about this i think uh, just recently in, in the review um on this week in wrestling about the guys who are in that position to start taking the next star spots as the stars are disappearing especially come january a lot of people are disappearing um and you know i said mentioned gary j Jake parnell at that time they're everywhere people know him but darius lockhart is right in that same area and maybe a little below just because his stuff is not making tape as much and he, maybe he's not heard of as much but i mean he's a guy that i've shouted out on the torch when i'm doing a you know podcast that i've done over there with a rich fan on saturdays deep dive he's a guy that i called out who should be getting around a lot more a guy i'd love to see in pwg you know what i mean i think he fits right in like you talk about it, he can do everything and one match, it was from very early in the year, the X-16 tournament, but the time limit draw that he does with uh, Myron Reed. I mean, to me, that really showed. The Chip Day matches were all, actually both. Even the really short one were both really good this year. But like the Myron Reed match just shows his ability to – he can work those guys and he can keep up with them and he can have really interesting matches where he is a guy who would fit right in in PWG. So, similar to a Trevor Lee. I almost could see Darius Lockhart filling in that role. And you talk about CWF, I mean – CWF is going to need someone to start filling in a top guy role and Darius would be a guy for them to bring in to fill in a role like that. I really believe it cuz like you said all around he can do everything. Um I think this year he completely developed into just a, like he got everything. The character, the vibe that he brings, there's I mean, he was always serious, but to me, I buy into him more. He seems even more legitimate this year. He feels he filled out. Mm. He's thicker. Shaving the head helped a lot, I think. And I know, you know, whatever his hair I don't know. His hair just kind of I get trying to be bigger, but I think that something about shaving the head, filling out a little bit, he kind of – he grew up. He kind of – he glowed up, I guess. So, <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, yeah, he's he's in that role. Like you said, being a babyface helped a lot. The match with Shane Strickland I think was really good was at a time when Shane Strickland was on fire, but really great. Then great match with the – Slim J as well. Both of those on the PWX. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm with you in every way. The guy is just super solid. I don't know if you got it. I feel like you had to. If you saw the David Starr match from RPW? Yeah, I saw it. Um, yeah, feels like that's like, again, luckily, or not luckily, but you know, smartly of him because he spent time training in the UK. feels like he could slide right into the uk scene and replace a lot of guys who are now going to get pulled due to mm. wwe uk contracts to be a guy who gets used more in the uk scene because um, he can fit that style work the way they want but that match with david Starr, i mean that was a phenomenal the only thing bummed me out about it is i felt like darius looked so good he should have fucking won yeah or you know i mean unless they're setting up for a, a comeback match but they didn't really put it over like they are, but if they're going to book, I think that they should do repeat business on that. Cause I actually think that those two had really good chemistry. And I think you could have made Darius Lockhart in RPW if he had gotten the win on star in that match, just with how good he looked. Um, so yeah, I'm i uh, I'm with you pretty solidly on a uh, Lockhart now. See, now this is tough because who goes next now? Mm.
0: All right. I think, I'll, I think I'll just go ahead. I think I'll just go ahead. Cause now I'm almost pretty sure we would not have back to back guys. Yeah, right. All right. So, my 47, Mark Haskins.
1: Uh, ooh, did not make my list this year. Uh, right. So, yeah, with 63 Hask- right now. With so. Haskins,
0: I didn't think he'd make my list either. And then I went back and looked at his year again. And I'm like, holy shit, there's enough to get Mark Haskins on there. You know, and that comes from uh, the Tetsujin. I really liked his... uh. Matches with uh, Kyle Fletcher and uh, Chris, R- Chris Ridgeway into Tetsuja in- in this year. I really like the uh, the Walter title match. The Tyler bate War Contenders match is fucking phenomenal. I thought that was an excellent match. Uh, the Jordan Devlin match from uh, OTT, the title match with all the interference and all that stuff. Before all that stuff happened, phenomenal work, honestly. And there's a Scotty Davis match where it's just Mark Haskins beating the ever-living shit out of, you know, young punk 18-year-old Scotty Davis. And, you know, really uh, de-emphasized year for Haskins pretty much all over the world. And if he had delivered in ROH, he would have maybe got a few spots higher for me. But him uh, sort of dropping the ball against guys like Jay Lethal... And Jonathan Gresham and Adam Page, you know, when he had those big opportunities, definitely hurt him a little bit. But I think he was good enough and and he still wrestles a style that I like enough where he was always going to find a way onto my list regardless. Because Keith Mark Haskins, one of my favorites in the scene, always delivers, super consistent. And even if he's not as high and took took a bit of a drop off compared to where we usually have him around this time of year, I still really enjoyed a lot of the work he did.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's a lot of what you're saying there is super fair. I think for me, what hurts him a lot this year was progress booking of him was sh- really shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, a lot of his focus was kind of in progress, it felt like, and just that just really soured him for me. But he did have a lot of good matches, and he was good but it felt like he was de-emphasized in a lot of places um where he had been more emphasized recently and probably that's because he's not a wwe uk signed guy um to where he wasn't he just wasn't getting the opportunities but like even like the riddle match this year was really good but like you know i thought the riddle match last year was much better so and i wasn't even super high on that match to begin with so it's just like uh, even when he was like kind of repeating stuff from the past couple years that he had done really well it was just like to me it just wasn't quite the same level um I don't think there's any way you have my number 47, but my 47 is Jeremy Wyatt.
0: I do not. I have
1: not seen a single Jeremy
0: Wyatt match this year, and I feel bad because James E was pleading to get me to watch the Jonathan Gresham match, which I still will at some point.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I don't blame you, honestly. I mean, I just – weirdly, you know, I kind of got into him this year from – watching nwl for this week in wrestling a little bit but he really stood out i mean he had great matches in nwl uh defending the the title there a uh, really good champion which is always a great tick on my boat but then after nwl closed down he disappeared for a while because he was one of those guys that was signed to nwl wasn't really working anywhere else he's you know he's wrestled for a long time but hasn't really gotten around too much um but then after that he starts showing up on you know some of the powerbomb shows like the black label pro shows specifically he has a bunch of really good matches and is just like a phenomenal worker i mean there's a reason why the grisham match happened and the stuff that grisham puts over on it about the roh pure wrestling rules why grisham was so excited to have a pure wrestling match and to kind of bring back the whole thing i mean it's because of how talented why it is as a, a pure wrestler he's like a really good mix um he doesn't quite like i say he kind of it's pure pro wrestling it's not Like shoot style, and he does a really good job of that style. He's a great pro wrestler. He's really, you know, in some ways you could say he comes across like a diet Ric Flair knockoff, sort of in a lot of ways. Um, but he makes it really work, man. I mean, he's he to me he doesn't come across like a Ric Flair knockoff, but I could definitely see kind of some shades of it. I think, and people would really see it that way. But to me, he's kind of got his own thing. It's just kind of inspired by the past, and it works
0: really well for him. Mm. So, what would you say would have been the standout matches for Wyatt this year?
1: Uh, there's the Grisham match, um, the Marcus Crane match, just because of f- how much I fucking hate Marcus Crane. He really delivers in that match. Mm-hmm. Um, great match against Hoodie Howlett. Those guys have fantastic chemistry with each other and have wrestled a few times. Um, good match with Matt Fitchett. Really good match with that, uh, Matt Fitchett. Really great match with Dax Draper. Um, I thought he was good in the three-way with Kobe Durst and Dom Greeny, but it just was not the match for those three. Um St. Louis Anarchy great match with uh, Jake Parnell that I I mean I don't know it depends some people don't really like Jake Parnell that much so yeah those are kind of the his best best matches but the Grisham match is probably going to be the top um, in some ways and then in other ways he's a better performer like in the Dak Draper match and the Matt Fitchett match when he's the NWL champion he's kind of performs better I think in that role but um, just for the pure quality of the match the Grisham match is probably the best.
0: All right, so my number forty six, like someone I'm not expecting you to have at all, but my
1: number forty six is Akito. Uh, Akito was really close for me, uh, fifty eight.
0: All right. Well, um, I'm pretty sure me and you had both watched the first D-King tournament. Like well, we me pretty much have watched most most of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, from, yeah, from the from the first one this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but man, Akito for a guy that isn't really pushed in DDT. And isn't given a lot to do. Uh, he makes the most out of every single chance he gets. I really, really, really loved him in the first D King this year. Thought he was at worst the second or third best, like, best guy in it. And that's a tournament where I thought Mike Bailey maybe had like the best tournament run out of anybody I've seen this year. Uh, yeah
1: i mean the only reason why he's number three for me is because i am an unapologetic 100% confirmed uh yukio Sekaguchi mark uh-huh. and in the d king this year they actually let yukio have matches so yeah. he ended up being like probably my number two favorite performer of the of the thing but yeah i mean if i was a sane person he's probably akito's number two behind mike bailey
0: yeah i had um speedball and Higuchi but, but again like Hikito like it, like it's Hikito's right there and that really speaks to how great this guy is you know he wrestles and does things you know the kind of stuff that I like he wrestles uh, very uh, smartly doesn't have to do too much he can keep up when they want to do the faster paced bomb throwing stuff but that's not him he uh, does limb work pin combinations all the kind of stuff that I love like a uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Jonathan Gresham for you know, has a lot of that European flavor to them. Even outside of uh, the D-King tournament, a lot of the all-out tag matches uh, and six-man tags they had against like Team Sendai girls and Strong Hearts and all that stuff throughout the year I really enjoyed. Uh, a lot of really good house show tags. I liked the match with uh, Irie that Ikito had following Irie's return, but a lot of people didn't like it because they don't like Irie, but whatever. Um, I really like the 20-minute draw that he had with Asami Kadaka on uh, one of those uh, beer garden shows. And right now, in the 2nd DK coming out here and having really good matches, too, against guys like Daisuke Sasaki and um, Goshi Ozaki, picking, picking, right back up, picking right back up where he left off. And, you know, Akito isn't one of the most pushed guys in DDT. Never will be. Will never win a general, general election any of that stuff, but he's a guy that when it came down to it this year, he really got the opportunities to shine in these tournaments and being aligned with Kanesuke Takashita, who's uh, the hardest push commodity in the company. He was, he was bound to get some chances to have some really good matches this year, and I thought Akito stepped up and filled in, filled in well as the second-in-command of, of All Out.
1: Yeah, and and I think he's a guy who— honestly would probably be better as a heel i think he is better as a heel in matches where he works subtle heel but and, and all that
0: might be turning heel might be turning heel soon so who knows right might be getting that
1: yeah so he could end up being really high for me next year because i think he's actually a better heel wrestler than a babyface, and has just been kind of stuck being playing second banana to uh takashita has made him kind of uh have to be a de facto baby face more than he really should um and i mean yeah i talked about it with the first d king it's just i think what hurts him is ddt i mean if i had paid if i had paid enough attention to ddt to where i would feel comfortable like watching the d king right now but i want to get caught back up before i watch it um i probably would have him hire too just because it's a d king again similar to sakaguchi it's like a place where it's a format where a guy like akito is actually allowed to have matches um so it makes a big difference uh, in that regard like just getting to show off what he can do um, so let me see. My 46 is the wild boar, Mike Hitchman. Um, uh, I don't man. know if you have him higher. I,
0: no, I don't. That hurt because I really, I love boar, but I just couldn't justify it this year. I couldn't justify it.
1: I mean, again, it's like, it's about standing out. And this year, uh, he was a guy who, even when he, like, I'm not, this is kind of, I meant to, I meant to say this. I thought about it a couple di- weeks ago when I was thinking about the podcast. Uh, This is a year where, like, for me, in a lot of ways, I kind of blew up great match theory in general. Um, And the idea that, like, when you ask me what are Wyatt's best matches, it's like, uh, that's kind of hard to even answer. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's not what mattered to me this year. And, like, Bohr is a guy who definitely proves kind of that point for me in that, like... I couldn't say he had a lot of great matches, but he had a lot of amazing performances where he always leaped off the page. Um, just really put it together this year when it came to character, look, the way that he carried himself. Early in the year, really blew up with the the just killer match with um with Mike Bird and uh, Will Osprey back to back. Um, then the Zack Saber Jr. match, all in attack. Um, David Starr and all that kind of stuff. Good, like amazing these, David Starr yeah, match. Get, yeah,
0: getting these big matches.
1: Yeah, and just really, I mean, building up, especially in attack, and then also getting some solid tag stuff. I don't know if you saw the uh, the one nine eight versus DJZ and Sammy Guevara from SWE, mm. um, which is like a random small match, but it was really fucking good. Bor was fantastic in that match. Um, so yeah, and then you know, eventually winning the title, brief title run um, in attack, but really, again, just like, for him, it was all about the build, and it really like kind of culminated in like a super. Um, Super, really. Uh, how do I put it? It's like a satisfying way to watch his kind of his matches and his build and everything come together. Um, he was like him, at, him showing up for the Thunderbastard Tag Series pissed me off because of how bad the booking was, but his performances always kind of delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, the match with the Calamari Thatch Kings, obviously, fucking amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean. Just a guy who leaped off the page with his performances. I talked about it in his job match against uh fucking Dave Mastiff on NXT UK, but it was like he really just felt like he's the new Oni Lorcan or he's the UK Oni Lorcan. I mean he just he's in a job match. He's supposed to make the other guy look good. He does make them look good, but he does such a great job of it that like, it makes you wish that he was the guy that they were focusing on. Cause mm. he's just so fucking good at his role as like the, the job guy in that setting, which is just impressive. I mean, you know, it's kind of the, his build in general has always been kind of the underneath guy, but he's just gotten so good at it that, um, that it really, uh, makes him leap off the page.
0: Yeah, he's a guy where I really, really did love um, the Osprey match, the Mike Bird match, but I'm going through it. And I think what happened for him this year is that um, progress, like he comes in and he's only doing one-nine-eight tag stuff. He's not really getting any opportunities to shine this year in progress. Yeah. And, you know, when you're supposedly like, like the like the hottest act in attack pro and then you're not even getting much getting much to do there you know it was hard to justify him because it it really felt like you know he's a guy that is like a flock for you know a top 50 and higher during like the first like four or five months of the year and then he just teeters off really badly and i and i didn't like it because i love boar but personally for me i couldn't do it even if he was one of the guys that stood out for the first, like, few four or five months of the year. But it's something where I totally get to pick. Yeah. All right. For me, at 45, a guy I doubt you have. So I'm curious how you feel about this. But uh inclusion that even surprised me as I was going through my own match of the year document. I have Sonata at 45.
1: Oh, no, he did not make my list. Uh, I think he's not even quite in my top 100. Um, I can see why. Um, but with kind of the rubric that I'm, I was judging on this year, he's a guy who just couldn't, couldn't do it because there was, I mean, it's so hard for me. There's just nothing like his work is immaculate and I think he's a great, and I actually do think that he has something there that could come out, but he doesn't show me it enough to really warrant me getting into his matches at all.
0: So this is something that surprised me because I don't think of myself as being that high on Sonata, but then I look through his year and I start from Wrestle Kingdom uh, 13, going up against KES for the tag titles. Surprisingly, really fun and heated match. After that, we get into the short lived Okada program, in their title match at New Beginning. And it's a match that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed um the couple of matches that he and Evil had against the Young Bucks. And the stuff they explored there with a uh, dual limb work um, on both of the Jacksons. And working around those injuries and all that stuff. He had a lot of stuff in the G1 that I really enjoyed. In fact, let's take a step back. The New Japan Cup match against... Zack Sabre Jr., I really enjoyed. Now let's go into the G1. Um, A rematch with Zack that I love. Had a really uh, good match with Tetsuya Naito. Match with um, Kenny Omega that I love. Match on the last night against Ishii that, you know, it's on the same show as Zack Sabre Jr. versus Naito and Kenny Omega versus Kota Ibushi. So it was bound to get overshadowed, but really fucking great match that he and Ishii had. And I go through and look at all this, and he has just as much volume as, like, a guy like Ishii or a Minoru Suzuki had that people would might include in their list. I'm not saying he's had the same highs, because, you know, Ishii has the Kota Ibushi match that people are throwing five at. Ishii has the Kenny Omega match from G1 that people are throwing five at. But I look at it, and Sonata just delivered in most spots this year. You know, I get it that I've liked him in some instances or some a lot of people haven't, but you know, that's the nature of the beast with this thing. And throughout the entire twenty eighteen, there was uh the short run as tag champs and the singles opportunity he's got this year and New Japan Cup for the IWGP title and then the G1. I really enjoyed Sonata in most instances this year and I got to got I gotta I gotta give it to the dude. Um, really shocked me.
1: Yeah, and I think if he gets focused on more, in singles especially, he could be a guy that uh, that I could have higher. But uh, I think part of it too was, his, I felt like the tag run with Evil bogged him down a lot for me. While there were some good matches, it, it all felt so inconsequential. Um, So yeah. Okay, so I got my 45. And weirdly, I think we've already talked about this wrestler, but I would think you would have already said her if you had her. So Rhea Ripley
0: no Rhea was a last minute exclusion but you know how you know, okay. much I love Rhea
1: yeah I thought you were I mean I thought you, I thought you would end up with her um, and I think that even some people might think I have her pretty high but I mean fuck she killed it she kind of came out of nowhere um, you know seen her a little bit in the Australian scene uh, when she went, was going by a different name and really was just almost a completely different wrestler in a lot of ways um, shows up in the Mae Young Classic completely polished put together uh, comes across like a star bigger beyond her years, has a great, uh, has a great, uh, chance where she catches herself, um, in the match with Tegan Knox. that I think that, uh, people probably, you know, wouldn't, um, wouldn't expect for someone who is, you know, as green as she is or whatever, um, to be able to carry her composure and go through with that match, stayed in character the whole way through. Um, and yeah, she was great throughout the entire tournament. Um, really, I mean, by the end, it almost felt like she should have made it to the finals. Um, and you know, you can't always plan for that stuff. Um, but then they did do a good job of catching that by then having her win the UK women's title tournament, which I thought she did amazingly, um, all the way through. I mean, every match, uh, she was perfect they, they did such a good job of setting her up with her opening round match her second round match and then her final match um all building off of like a, the same story about her level of of just skill and and what she's really good at um just this fantastic character worker like i said um instantly get into her and just comes across super polished works really well um on top as a big monster heel uh badass just ass her. um yeah, she's just been super impressive this year as a uh, all-around talent, and definitely becomes like a big part of the NXT UK division. That like, uh, where I think me and you both are probably kind of lament in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, it's really cool to see that they at least have some interesting stuff going on.
0: Yeah, uh, honestly, the only reason I even ever wound up watching an an, an episode of NXT UK was honest to God to just watch Rhea Ripley to see if I could squeeze her onto my list. And, you know, because she came out so late in the year, it's hard to to justify, but she was so great. And it's not even necessarily, like, an in-ring thing like you're saying. Like, she was just a breath of fresh air because of how committed she was to this character that she was playing. And the look was great. The demeanor was great. You know, constantly pouting and having her arms crossed and her social media, like, everything about it was great on top of the fact she was she was going out there and hanging completely with like like arguably the best women's wrestler in the world and eon shirai um and having a stellar match going out there in the finals for the nxt uk women's championship against tony storm having a great match against against, uh someone people some people regarded one of the best women's wrestlers in the world um so right now we know Rhea can deliver with that quality of opponent. And that's a real good sign of heading into 2019. Now, how much am I going to be able to get over my own personal feelings and watch NXT UK? I don't know. But I know Rhea Ripley stood out so fu- so much for me this year that you know, I'll at least attempt to watch her matches because I would love to always give Rhea as much credit and praise as she deserves because she's really proven to be a phenomenal find after what she used to be in Australia uh, as Demi Bennett, and finding herself in this character is definitely something that I would not have expected. Um, Well, my 44, a person that I know you'll have higher than me, but 44 for me is Tony Storm.
1: Yeah. She's higher for me. My 44, you might, but you might not. Uh, just because we already talked about CWF being off your list pretty much this year, but Kane Justice. Oh yeah, no Kane Justice for me this year. No? Okay. Well, he continued on basically the same path from last year, just uh, with the CWF output being still good. And I really liked his team with um, Ethan Sharp for, for the time that they were together building up into the Canoodle Cup. Um, but... Um, but um but yeah then kind of spreading his legs in some other places uh really showing off what he can do um especially in action the two matches with fred yehi match with anthony henry great match in pwf against kevin Koo for that title um good showing in the sci weird booking i'll just call it out i don't understand it didn't make sense to me that he would lose in the first round but whatever um you know you can't uh you can't win them all um great match with Dominic Guarini again in action I mean just uh you know one of the biggest bummers is that I still didn't ever get to see the match with John Kerman from Nova which I bet I would love um but you know I just haven't seen if that made tape never got around to watching it um and then picking and choosing some some CWF matches here and there that I did actually go out of my way to watch he's just continuing to develop and grow but it's just like a natural talent um amazing heel um really using his grappling techniques and his style to play his character super well and then yeah like the main thing with him is is the character work that's done super well so uh, so yeah and I can definitely see you not having him this year if you're not watching him you know
0: you know it' a thing was a thing with like because I do have someone from cW CWF um on my list coming up in a little bit yeah but, yeah yeah but it's, but it's a thing where it's like you know, that presentation and the change and, like, how long it took them to get themselves back together, like, really took took a lot of it away from me. And, like, I'm just now trying to get back into the swing of things like, watching CW and trying to get back into the product.
1: Yeah, no, it's been, it's definitely been tough. Uh, well,
0: my 43 going going off from that is Kaito Kiyomiya.
1: No, I do not. I mean, obviously, you know I don't.
0: (laughs) Um, well, Kaito Kiyomiya, um, around this time last year returned from ex- his excursion that he was uh, doing in Canada and came out and challenged then GHC champion uh, Kano to a title match. And The title match they eventually had happened on January 2nd of this year and out the gate you saw flashes of a potential ace in Kaito Kiyomiya. His selling was Phenomenal, one of the best vulnerable baby face, baby face performances you'll see all year. Um, you know, some people might say it's an easy role to play, being you know, the scrappy underdog future ace baby face, but it was something where uh, I think he delivered more than a lot of people were expecting him to, at least in that circumstance right out the gate, because that's not the spot that a lot of people get put in immediately. You know, you think of your Okada's and your Jay Whites and your Hiromu Takahashi's of people that got put into high profile positions right off the bat and right there Kaito Kiyomiya, you know, in a much smaller company nonetheless came out and delivered that exact same way and after that they don't really force him into the main title picture, they don't force him to be the top guy, they give you a glimpse of what he can be and then they ease off and he gets matches against Kano again, he gets a Namiji Maafuji match but then he gets put he gets he gets put into a tag team with Goshi Ozaki, and that's where you really start to see, uh Kiyomiya's wings really start to come out in these matches where Goshi Ozaki is getting his leg worked on, and Kaito has to step up and carry his team, and to me that's where you really saw it because Kaito had the best performances of his career in those matches right there, and I haven't gotten around to seeing any of Global League. There's he's had, he has matches with uh, Takashi Sagera. And uh, uh Nakajima, that I'm, that I'm sure I'm gonna love, but you know, Kaito left a really big impression on me this year. And after winning Global League, it really seems clear that you know Kaito's gonna be the next champ, and they're gonna go all way ahead with him. And it's not a they like they did a really phenomenal job with him this year, and Kaito fit into the role perfectly. And I'm really excited for what 2019 holds for him. Because of how well uh, the push that he had this year worked out.
1: Yeah, if I would watched any Noah, but I did not. My 43, I think you might have higher. But you also might not. Is uh, Will Ospreay.
0: Oh, yeah, Will Ospreay a lot higher. Okay. Um, I have one Trevor Lee at 42.
1: He didn't make my list this year. Uh, you know...
0: This is one of the things where I like. I'll totally admit I was gonna, I was gonna, I was trying to force Trevor Lee onto my list, because, like, I've had to deal with like Fred Jaya dropping off my list. I've had to deal with fucking um, Chris Hero dropping off the face of the earth, and Pete Dunn not making my list, and all that kind of stuff. But there was no way I was gonna let Trevor Lee fall off my list, and a lot of it was because it's not like Trevor Lee regressed. Trevor Lee did nothing wrong. Trevor Lee is definitely by most standards a victim of circumstance. Based on what was happening in CWF and everything CWF had going for them. You know, victim of circumstance. that like A lot less eyes were on the product this year. Um, I can't attest to the booking decisions, but the fact that Trevor Lee's reign is going on a thousand days and all that stuff and people are getting tired of it, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that Trevor Lee is still one of the best wrestlers in the world having great matches. And for me, I really liked the Roy Wilkins-No Ropes match after uh, really the kind of shit show that was their battlecade match. I really liked the John Skyler title match. I really enjoyed um, the Andrew Everett title match at uh, CWF Rumble. But... The sealed the deal for me is that sixty minute draw that he had with ACH and AAW, and you know that's the kind of that's the Trevor that everyone felt, like fell in love with is that this guy can do so much. He can do the mat wrestling, he can like get the most out of seemingly basic moves like a bat breaker or an abdominal stretch. You know, he can do all the crazy stuff, but he just doesn't have to. He doesn't do anything particularly crazy. In that match either, and it's just a match dominated by a great, fantastic heel control segment and awesome selling. And you know, it's the it's the kind of Trevor performance that I missed this year. But you know, having ma- having uh, four matches that I really really enjoyed and think highly of, uh, definitely boosts his case. And Trevor's guy, Trevor again is a guy where you know he works in PWG, works at AW, works Impact. And all these other places. And if he's not necessarily the top guy, he's still someone getting shown on TV every week and having good matches, good quality TV matches, and you know, or uh, smaller scale title matches for the Heritage Heritage title, or you know, opening the show for PWG, um, doing uh, more comedy driven stuff. And Trevor is still really versatile and can give you anything you want. And even if he doesn't, even if he didn't deliver, on the high end scale that he has in uh, 2016, 2017, Trevor still gave me a few high end matches I really enjoyed. While still being, you know, this king of variety that he's been, that he's been able to be for the last couple of years, you know, uh, we don't know what the future holds for Trevor Lee and um, with the rumor of him um, him you know WWE, who knows how well he, he's gonna fit into you know the NXT environment. And all that stuff where people get hoarded and not really get to do anything but you know if this is the last I've ever i'll ever get of being able to rate or rank Lee really on a top 50 list you know I want i wanted it to happen because he's a guy that's real been really instrumental to my wrestling fandom and I think even in a down year he's still better than most people that wrestled in the world this year
1: yeah, that's really fair in a lot of ways. I think for me, I really didn't like him in PWG this year. I mean, he's very good, but I just I was very let down with just how high just how high I thought of him before in past years, especially in PWG. Um, I liked some of the wrestling tag matches, but I really felt like he lost what was making him really like him in AAW um, when he was a singles, and which was even still just kind of doing some of the comedy stuff. I actually enjoyed getting to see more of that. Um, so that like stupidly that kind of hurt him for me. Cause I was digging what he was doing. And a lot of people I know didn't really like it, but I did. Um, and then impact, I think he was defocused a lot in impact. Uh, the X division title run stuff, I thought it really helped him for me in a lot of ways. And then this year in impact, he was, I mean, he had some good matches for sure, but he wasn't as focused on. So I'm fine with just letting him kind of drift away. Um, but I'm with you. I have the same kind of feelings about, especially about him, you know, what's going to happen next. Um, All right, so for me, number 42, I have Penelope Ford. Mm,
0: Okay, I did not expect this, but I've not seen much beyond this year or anywhere where Penelope Ford is working. So, uh, school me on Penelope Penelope Ford.
1: Okay, Well, what Penelope Ford did was, I think, that uh, it got overlooked because of just how big of a star Joey Janela became. And everyone talking about Joey Janela is she upped her game and her star power equally with him to where she didn't feel left in the dust, which I think could have happened. I think that she could have started to not feel as big of a deal as Jan- uh, Joey Janella and then have places more and more just book Janela by himself without her. But she upped her game and felt like a big time star without him. Um, unfortunately, his injury did slow her bookings quite a bit, which I think is kind of bullshit because she could, you could continue to book her um, and she'll get a lot of star power out of her um, without Janela, without Joey there. But it's, you know, that's how people look at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw her early in the year um, in a tag team match with her and Joy Janela versus uh, Eli Everfi and Delilah Doom, um, which was fantastic live at Bar Wrestling. Uh, really great action. Um, she always gets to hit those token spots, basically, in every Joy Janela match, which actually adds a little bit to her case. But really good mixed tag team stuff. I really love her and, and Janella together. The way they play off... It, each other as a tag team is phenomenal. Um, just the way I liken it to natural born killers. They're like this couple who just really feed off of each other to be just complete fucking monsters. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's most of her case. Her singles matches, uh, can really run the gambit. Honestly. Um, not all of her singles matches are very good, but they're, they, a lot of times it feels more about who she's wrestling against. um, it really kind of affects the quality of her singles matches more than anything. Cause unfortunately she does not get booked against a lot of the top women. Um, but her match like with Kimberly, I thought was really fucking good match with David Starr, I thought was phenomenal. You know what I mean? So like when she's in there with someone good, she gets to have good matches. She can't really carry a match though, especially not with some of the people she goes up against. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of her the hardest case, but that's kind of the case for indie women's wrestling. As much as it is growing, it's still very difficult in indie women's wrestling to even uh, necessarily get competent competition all the time, you know? So mm. that's kind of the bummer still for her and can definitely see why it would, she's not necessarily someone who makes your list um, because she doesn't, she hasn't gotten a chance in like Japan or anything like that, which... I don't necessarily know that that would be a good place for her. Um, I don't know if her star power and what she brings to the table translates to Joshi really. really. Um, but, I mean, there have been other girls who were similar to her that have gotten over in Japan. So that's not to say that it couldn't.
0: I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like, like Priscilla Kelly just went over there and was working TJP. So I think, I think Penelope's better than her. I could see Penelope yeah. doing something like
1: that. Yeah, and I mean, I have Priscilla Kelly on my list lower, too. So, I mean, yes, I definitely think Penelope Ford's better than than Kelly. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. And, then, like, yeah, she probably could make it work if she got a chance. But at the same time, I think some of her star power doesn't necessarily – wouldn't necessarily kind of transition the same.
0: Right. Uh, My number 41, uh, you know, a man you preferentially
1: have higher than me, but my, my number 41 this year is Jeff Cobb. Oh yeah, of course. We'll talk about him <laughs> later. My forty-one, you might have higher than me, but you also might not. This is weird. I, I don't know what to predict. Uh, Matt Riddle, the bro, didn't make my list. Did not make your list. Okay, so yeah. it couldn't make a couldn't which, put a bunch which, of effort to get Matt, huh? which will which
0: will be funny because I have someone on my list this year, which people would argue maybe has a weaker case than Matt or a similar case to Matt, but we'll get to
1: that when we get there. Okay. Um i thought matt was on the way to probably i was saying it and i was like almost getting ready to just be invested in it um around august maybe like july august matt riddle was going to be my number one i'll just put that out there but just completely disappearing for the rest of the year um really hurt him a lot and it's like it's kind of tough to think back to it because it feels like it was so long ago now but early in the year i mean he would just put it all together finally to me um was really showing off his ability to be a more multifaceted wrestler um with the stories that he tell in the settings and one of the big matches that um that funnily enough uh cemented that for me was the the work with shane strickland um specifically um but in mlw in general as well he had a really great match with jeff cobb that i actually thought was their best match that they've ever had with each other um and they've had a lot of matches you know because kind of they were they were married to to each other at a certain point on the indies um but the stuff with shane strickland um for the mlw title um was fantastic in him making a star um which was i think always my biggest critique of matt riddle was that it felt like he never helped his opponents and sometimes hurt them coming out of a match with that riddle it felt like he was selfish in that way that um just to me went to show that he didn't um he just didn't have the uh maturity to think that deeply about wrestling um and was something that i kind of picked apart about my issues with him is that i felt like he made a mockery of wrestling in some ways um just because of that. And this year it didn't feel that way. It felt like he got very serious. Um, He worked really hard. He did a lot of stupid, no selling um, still. And he acted like an idiot a bunch still, but it felt like there was a better foundation underneath his work um, that felt like it was actually about giving back to wrestling as well as taking from it. um, Which is something that was important for me to, you know, think of him more highly. Um, Really enjoyed the, then when he gets back to Strickland in Evolve, um, and now the roles are reversed, and Strickland is a heel, and I guess Matt Riddle, well, he wasn't exactly a heel, but Strickland was definitely a babyface in MLW. Um, so just like really thought that that was a great dichotomy, seeing him have this great match with the same guy in different positions, different places, but do something very similar. Um so, yeah, I mean, that was it. He was on pace, I think, to really have had a better year. But it's like he kind of ends up with only half of a year. And it's really hard for me to have him very high, um, even with having a really, really solid half of a year. Um, So, yeah, and that's why I can also see not having him because it's like, how do you have somebody on, on your top 50 if they didn't have a complete year wrestling? And even that,
0: like beyond that, like, again, like I'll have someone that we talk about in a little bit that – made my list that has a similar situation. But for me, I just wasn't even that high on Matt Riddle to begin with this year. You know, I really liked the Will Ospreay match from WrestleMania weekend. um, And I really enjoyed that uh, first Shane Strickland match. But other than that, like, you know, I'm not going to put a guy in my list over, you know, one weekend, you know, a string of a few days, and then, like, a couple of other matches that I liked. You know, I can't do that. And, like, similarly, like, you know, people would make that case about, like, New Japan guys. Well, you know, I expect more out of a guy that's, you know, on the indies and can control his dates and all that kind of stuff that if I'm going to include you on my list and you're someone that, you know, has complete like free reign over your schedule and all that kind of stuff where I just didn't think that highly of most of the stuff he was doing. You know, obviously the best guy, um of WrestleMania weekend. I mean, maybe not even obviously, you know. A lot of people treated that like a slam dunk, but, you know, guys like Walter and Zach Saber Jr. are still there having really good matches. So, I'm not even sure I'd like give him like the ultimate, like, yeah, he was definitely the best guy of WrestleMania weekend. And the only matches of his I really liked outside of um that little space were against Darby Allin and Shane Strickland. And, you know, that just wasn't enough for me to... Uh, make it onto my list. I liked him in, I liked him in 16 Carat, but I didn't love him. I didn't love that Walter super fight as much as everybody else did, just because I thought, you know, that's the kind of stuff they've always been doing. Uh. Right. I did like the Absolute Andy match, but you know, I probably would still say that's still like the weakest, uh not weakest, maybe the second weakest match that absolute Andy had um that weekend. So, you know, he's a guy that's obviously like Fucking really tremendously talented, and I hope he does well in WWE. But I just wasn't in love with him enough or uh, infatuated with them enough this year with the work that we got to even consider putting him on my list. Yeah, but uh, for me, coming on to 40, my number 40 is Goshi Ozaki, who you do not have on your list. No, no, oh. um, now Goshi Ozaki, uh, you know. We know the history of Goshi very very um, up and down history as far as, you know, being at one point pegged to be the future ace of uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, eventually not really reaching that level, kind of losing that spot to Sakashi Sagera, uh, eventually going on going into All Japan and becoming the top guy there, Then eventually leaving and going back to Pro Wrestling Noah, where it took him some time to get, you know, really back acclimated to the roster. And while he's been good the last couple of years, this is where it really felt like Goshiyozaki like came back, like the best of Goshi Ozaki. You know, it's he has a little bit more of a shallow case than a lot of other people on on my list. But really, like those performances um, against the aggression of Katsuhiko Nakajima and Kitamiya in those tag matches, um really some of the best performances I've seen all year. I put them against anything I've seen in wrestling this year. I think Goshi Ozaki is that good enough selling the hell out of his knee. And for me, in a year where I didn't think that many people had, like, standout great performances, you know, other than, like, the tippy-top guys on my list, Goshi Ozaki was knocking it out of out of the park, giving me performances where I would put it up there with the likes of your Walters and... Dan Makabe's and Zach's and Jonathan Greshams and Davis Stars. Like I thought Goshi Ozaki was having those kind of performances whenever he was given the chance to. And right now he's uh having his little run in D King. I've enjoyed what I've seen from there. I haven't gotten to watch any of Global League, but I'm sure I'd love a lot of the stuff goes done in Global League, and that might even lead to my uh rankings being shifted whenever I get through D King and Global League. But, you know, it was really cool to me to see Ghost Yozaki sort of uh, return to return to prominence. And even not in prominence, just, you know, having seen this guy having, like, awesome matches again. And it's not like he was having bad matches at any point. You know, they were just a little dry and maybe uninteresting because the crowd didn't fully um come back around to go, you know, the last couple of years while he's, while he's been back in Noah, And right now, they've seemingly turned right back around on him he feels like he's part of the roster again he, it feels like this is his home he feels like one of the guys on the roster not just someone like an invader that people are iffy about goshi ozaki feels like goshi ozaki again and i'm really excited to see uh what 2019 holds from because i really enjoyed the 2018 we got from him
1: all right i mean yeah uh no, just no NOah for me so
0: yeah.
1: I don't know if I've seen any go but from what I'm hearing I probably should go back and check it out um, so my number 40 I think you said him earlier was Robbie Eagles yeah Robbie Eagles at 50 50 okay yeah so um for me just I don't know do you want to go first or should I just go you can go ahead okay for me like the big stuff was just being the the ace of Australia uh, it felt like um, especially with the MCW Uh, title defenses, the stuff with Schleck there, um, um, and, uh, and the PWG stuff, obviously, I think he really stood out in every PWG match, the Travis Banks match with the, during the Progress Tour, I thought was really good, um, the Bandito match I think made both guys like insane huge stars realistically or should have at least made Bandito um, and then felt like Robbie Eagles didn't necessarily get the same staying power from that. Um, Osprey match um, not as maybe not as good as last year stuff with Osprey, but I would you could say that about pretty much everyone um, this year just because Osprey was not to me as good this year Um the four way, though with Osprey and and uh, Ugg and and Moretti, I thought was really good. Um, and then he shows back up in New Japan after. Well, he shows up in New Japan after the kind of the UK or not UK, the Australia tour that New Japan did that no one really thought anything of. Um, and then by that point, I think I think I heard I think I had heard that he, he was going to be the guy actually a little bit before, but I had no idea until someone told me. Um, I wouldn't have predicted it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, just based off of that tryout from those tours, I think that that kind of lost everyone's mind. Um, and then I liked him in the Junior Tag League quite a bit. I thought that him and Ishimori blended well together. Were um, were really good. He was really good as a heel there. Um, his heat in a lot of the matches was fantastic, um, which is impressive. I mean, just a really dynamic wrestler who's able to Be heel, be babyface, get the crowd into him, do crazy spot fest, just everything. I think the only thing, to me, honestly, I like him so much, I think I'd have him higher if he just had more output, but he didn't have very much.
0: Yeah, that's the thing with Robbie for me, is that I really enjoyed um, the glimpses of Robbie that we got this year. But, you know, we we only got a handful of matches that really reached that level. You know, I really loved the Bandito match from PWG. Um... I thought he kind of underwhelmed Mbola, sadly. And I was really hoping he would have a breakout one so I could justify his higher spot for him. But, you know, I really loved the Mandido match. I really loved uh, his stuff with Osprey and Jonah Rock and Richie Eagles and Slex and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I just couldn't justify him any further. And I think Robbie's a guy where he does that go, 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 high spot oriented style. Better than just about anyone on the indies, maybe better, maybe other than like Osprey. I think he's that kind of like level at like being able to go out there and have a quality banger just because he has the athleticism, he has the speed, he has the moveset, he has uh, the lucha base in order to do some uh, real quick and neat looking uh, rope running sequences and athletic spots. But there just wasn't enough for Robbie, and even as a guy that you know you mentioned how he was sort of like the ace of the Australian wrestling scene. It's not that I'm holding it against him currently, but if he, you know, if the Australian wrestling scene, like had took a little bit of a leap this year, instead of just sort of staying where it was, and I could have seen myself having Robbie higher, but the scene just kind of staying at that same level throughout the entire year, you know, I think really, you know, took away from the chance for Robbie to, you know, become a bigger name, or at least get himself higher on my list and your list.
1: Yeah, I blame that on Osprey. He should have done better. <laughs> <laughs> All,
0: right. All right, but uh, that was your forty. Yeah. All right. My number thirty-nine is Minoru Suzuki.
1: I have him higher. All right, I'm uh, surprised by that.
0: I'm. I, why well, I don't know why you would be. I no. did watch New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you don't usually have the New Japan guy. At least, at least Minoru Suzuki. But like, I guess this is his, like his second year really back into the New Japan fold. So yeah.
1: So and he's been yeah, a, and he had some. Yeah, really he's cool not over the
0: place too. So maybe it shouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But uh, you're
1: 39. My 39, I think, is shocking, and maybe it's kind of the same thing that you did with Trevor. Um, but I think you said he's not on your list. My 39 is Kenny Omega. Yeah, Kenny Omega is not on my list. Yeah, and I think probably what it really comes down to with that is that you probably did not like the Chris Jericho Wrestle Kingdom match at all.
0: No, I did. I, did. I actually liked that stuff. Like, oh, okay. So, like, for me with Kenny, it's like, it was the Cody, it was, like, the uh, second Cody match, and it was yeah. the um, Ishii Destruction match. And it really okay. did it in for me. But I okay. liked other Kenny stuff this year. I definitely, I liked the Jay White match. A lot, a lot of people didn't even like that and i definitely liked jericho in the a, a jericho match but i mean maybe i like jericho in that match maybe more than i like that match i don't know
1: yeah i could see that i the, my thing was that i liked pretty much every kenny match um every kenny singles match basically i mean i think that there was some stuff where it felt like he was dogging it a little bit at times but that's kind of normal for him and i think that he can still be pretty good in stuff like that and i think he was this year still um my problem my biggest problem is he's really formulaic now in his big matches so much so that i really called it out in the phoenix match and that was like almost enough and that was you know that was from um from new which you can't blame the guy for not bringing it in this fucking promotion and um, especially in america the way that he's he thinks of america i mean I mean, You should be pretty shocked when he's wrestling in America that he brings it for any match outside of PWG really ever, um, which he rarely does, Um, and he rarely ever has. I think early on maybe he did an ROH, but that was before he was Kenny Omega. Um, But yeah, so, I mean, his big-time matches can be a little samey, but I think I still really get into him. Um, The tag team match with, with Ibushi against the bucks i think being just so fucking great was uh definitely a big part of making his year two um just having a big time classic tag team match that really felt like in a lot of ways probably the most relevant tag team match of of 2019 like in the or it's 2018 um in the conversation you know what i mean of like tag team wrestling mattering so many wrest- so many tag team matches this year really felt exactly the same and that one didn't so that kind of helped his career i thought the the pentagon match was impressively great at all in so that helped his case too um the g1 stuff all the way through i thought was really good especially the kota Ibuchi match i mean fuck that was amazing um and I think part of that, part of the bummer on that is just that like Kota Ibushi really felt like he should have taken off from there, and he didn't in a lot of ways. Um, that's not necessarily his fault. Yeah, and, or, and even
0: then, like that's yeah. the, like that's, like that's just the reality of like that company is that Kota Ibushi is like an accessory to Kenny Omega at this point, and like right is disappointing, but that's also just like the reality of it.
1: Right, right, and so it's like it's hard to, in some ways, it's similar to like what you said if if. If Australia had grown, then Robbie Eagles, you could maybe see in a higher regard. It's kind of similar. If Kenny having a big match where it really felt like he made Ibushi, had springboarded abushi into like top of the card relevance, and they had continued, because I mean, they also would have continued interacting with each other, and Abushi feeling like a bigger star would have upped the quality of the whole thing. Um, so that really hurt him a lot, or that hurt him somewhat this year. But yeah, I mean, just the guy is just across the board really fantastic.
0: You know, like, with Kenny, and I do honestly think a lot of the stuff, like, with people um, having, like, the weird, having, like, the backlash towards Kenny, even if it wasn't, like, unjustified, I think a lot of people were waiting for reasons to not like Kenny or at least jump on jump on Kenny because they already didn't like him for whatever reasons. and I think because Kenny became such a tired topic, whether it was, like, defending him or bashing him or whatever, like... I almost, like, preferred to have Kenny, like, out of sight and out of mind. And that's sort of what Kenny's been for me um, the last few months. I and, mean, granted, a lot of that has to do with, like, you know, New Japan's, um, just what the kind of schedule they run is that they're really low-key for the last couple months of the year. But, you know, I really needed that time apart from Kenny Omega in order to get excited about Tanahashi versus Omega Wrestle Kingdom coming up. And at his best, I still think Kenny Omega delivers, like, the best matches of um, of the year. i love have a lot that make uh make it really high on my top 100 list still but you know i think kind of separating myself from kenny omega this year um just from like the kind of like whirlwind that was surrounding him for good and bad reasons and all the discussion about around him just i didn't even want to include him or include him on my list to really talk about him it's the same reason why i didn't include tetsuya naito. well tetsuya naito has a lot of matches Um, that I liked and I could reasonably like have a spot for him on my list everything about like the um, people in love with them and getting mad at the company over the use of Naito and the people that are not into Naito and all this like it just made it not worth it for me to even really want to tackle and talk about those guys so I felt better just leaving them off the list completely and just you know getting in the stuff that I really enjoyed talking about or felt the need to talk about because i don't feel the need to talk about tetsuya naito or kenny omega like people have done that to death already
1: i can definitely see that and i mean naito right now for me is like 92 um so part of that too is i just didn't see it with him but yeah i I get what you're saying and it you know you know my place with kenny we've talked him to death me and you already Um, let alone you
0: you know how much i love kenny so it's like being yeah, in a, being in a place where I didn't even like want to put him on my list, like you know how much like that had to suck. Like I'm like, I think the guy's one of the hundred best wrestlers ever. So being in a space where you're like, you know, I don't even want to talk about this guy, fucking suck. But I had to do what I had to do, like you know, in order to make this process
1: enjoyable. Right. No, and I can't blame you for that. I really can't. Um, and I mean, he has had a, a down year. I mean, there's no question about that.
0: Mm. Um. So my 38, a guy that you said you don't have uh Ilya Dragunov.
1: Yeah, fifty-four for me right now. And uh a guy who I would like to have on my list, but similar to Kenny, but I guess less about the controversy and more about the just I didn't see the output.
0: Uh um so for me with Ilya it's you know, he comes back a sixteen carat, like we've already we already talked about that in depth. But regardless of all my feelings on that, the match where he comes back is really awesome. That triple threat rules. Um, the match the following night. Against uh, Matt Riddle. I really enjoy. I really like the entire. Little Walter mini program. That goes on for a couple of months. I really enjoy the Alexander James. Uh, match in Hamburg. Um, I like the absolute any matches. They're not great. And they're not necessarily case makers. But it's not like Ilya just sort of like took off. The rest of the year, like he had matches that I was enjoying. So, for me, like the only real blemish on Ilya's resume um is that you know the Pete dunn match at Wembley just didn't deliver, and I might have to dedicate a portion of, of one of these of one of these episodes to talking about how much Pete Dunne frustrated me frustrated me this year, but I don't blame that on Ilya. Like. Ilya is good in that match. Ilya shouldn't have been a heel at all throughout that entire program, but Ilya is good in that match. Um, and there's the Rincon versus uh, star match that I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed Ilya and Bola. I thought uh, Ilya and Shingo versus ringconf was honestly maybe like the third or fourth best tag match of the year. I think it's that fucking good. I really enjoyed Ilya versus Shingo on the next night. You know, he doesn't have the volume that you want from Ilya and I think a lot of it is disappointment because you want to see Ilya take that next leap into being a household name but I mean but Jesus Christ if Ilya Ilya Dragunov still didn't deliver in every single match he was given or the opportunity he was given like I don't know that guy still delivered for me and you know he's still like he's one of those guys where You know, you don't always get excited about seeing a matchup or a guy on a card when you're this far into the bubble at this point. You are like, oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. But rarely are you like, oh, yeah, that's going to fucking rule. Every time I see Ilya paired up with somebody because he still has so many fresh matchups left on the table. I'm like, oh, man, that's probably going to fucking rule. And I'm really upset, actually that we didn't get Zack Sabre Jr. versus Ilya this year. And instead so we got Zack versus Andy, which I still thought was a phenomenal match. But I, I just I just keep imagining how good Zach versus Ilya would have been this year. But, you know, it's disappointing that he didn't have much volume and that his m- m- highest profile match of the year um, against Pete Dunne at Wembley was bogged down by Pete Dunne being absolute shit. But, you know, I still think Ilya went out there and did what Ilya does and as being his usual, charismatic, amazing, selling, hard-hitting self. And I can't ask much more of the guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think I think I was pretty careful at times to uh, to say that the best Bulla tournament match was um Cobb versus Darby to me, because what I was secretly saying there was that the best match of the weekend was that RingCom versus Shingo and um Ilya match uh, cuz I went with you I thought that match was fucking amazing um and especially in the building I mean it was so fucking cool and Ilya standing up um to Shingo as um an equal cuz to me I was so fucking hype about the idea that I'm getting to finally see Shingo first time seeing Shingo in, in person mm-hmm. and Ilya felt like just as big to me um and so that was really really Definitely. cool. I, th-
0: I think Peter. I think that Bolo stuff really does speak to the kind of potential that Ilya has or had, and we don't yeah. know like what's going to go on off- going with Ilya when it's just like NXT UK NXT, um, possibly NXT Germany stuff gets under gets underway. But like Ilya was on the same level of over in that match before and after that, you know shingo and rinkop were. And that yeah. speaks a lot to a guy that only had, you know, like the most famous match he's had is the one with Walter from 16 karat last year. And right. that really speaks to the kind of legacy or buzz already around Ilya based on that one match and that he was able to translate that to that bola crowd.
1: Well, and for me, I mean, and I think for you too, like part of it too with Ilya was that that Walter match was like felt to me like the, finally hitting the stride for a guy or finally getting the recognition for a guy that I was always really thought had it in him right. and was really good and people should have been paying attention to because mean, we, we both were watching him in WXW for a long time before that. And it just felt like it all came together that night, especially not just in the match, but also the way that the world took to it. Um, so it has been really cool to watch him kind of cash in on that, but it just felt like, you know, again, there wasn't a huge amount of output um and and then not, nothing bad i'm with you nothing bad but just yeah i just didn't didn't have the same feel and maybe it, part of it too is the uk scene and showing up in progress and that just kind of hampering a lot of stuff for him um and just kind of being like a wet blanket on his year so my 39 i think you have to have higher uh is Miko sanomora
0: i don't have Miko. I've, I've i've talked about it i've talked about it at least in the slack chat like i really didn't see what people saw michael this year
1: okay um. Well, for me, I mean, good stuff in Japan. Um, not an insane amount of really great stuff to me personally in Japan, but very solid work. Um, like the time limit match with Shirai. Um, the uh, the match with uh, Tony with Tony Storm, same thing, time limit draw. I thought was really good from early in the year. Um, and then the stuff in in. UK I really enjoyed the match with where she wins the Fight Club Pro title from uh, Chris Brooks I thought that was great the tag team match with uh, the Rascals which, who she tagged with a couple times I thought was really good um, so yeah I really loved her in the May Young Classic I mean I really felt like she w- felt like a star coming out of it um, big time every match just kept building and building and, and I think that they presented her really well um, which was really cool especially because they don't have her signed and they don't really seem to you know what i mean like wwe didn't really have to put her over as much as they did but they made they made a big deal out of her and she has kind of freedom to do whatever she wants still as far as i know um so that was really cool um the stuff in ddt showing up here and there has been very interesting um and i've enjoyed it quite a bit um Yeah I mean her just kind of getting to go around the world was really fun and kind of show off everything that she could do in random places. Anything from like comedy stuff like I said with like DDT with Dino, stuff with Stalker uh, Ishikawa in Dragon Gate and then also serious stuff like in Fight Club Pro where this big time heel stable is kind of built around her in a lot of ways. it really feels like it came out of feuding with her more than anything so that's really cool. Led to a really amazing match with Kyle Fletcher that made him into a big deal this year, especially coming out of that group. Um, so yeah, just really, really solid traveling the world, having great matches. The tournament in WXW, I thought she was amazing. Um with the final against Lufisto, I thought was just so fucking good. Um so yeah, just really had a solid year around the world showing off in front of a bunch of different crowds and with mixing it up with a lot of people. Kind of similar to what you're saying about Ilya, like getting to see dream matches actually happened was really cool this year
0: yeah like it's the thing where i'm like happy that michael's getting the recognition but at the same time i'm just not in love with a lot of these matches you know um i so like the mercedes martinez match from the mayon classic i didn't really think much of that um didn't think uh, much of the Lacey lane match i really liked michael versus tony storm um from the mayon classic i thought that was really good um i like michael versus eo from sunday girls uh there was a couple uh tags that Michael had and some that girls I really enjoyed. I really liked the Kyle Fletcher match um and a couple of Chris Brooks Brooks matches and a couple of Chris Brooks matches were really good too um the Pete Dunn match was pretty good too. It's just you know I didn't love these matches. I didn't really enjoy these matches enough to justify a spot for on my list and you know when there's a lot of people on here that. Have matches that like made my document sheet or like left bigger impressions on me with their performances. Michael didn't either. Michael didn't have a performance in a match that I loved. Michael didn't really have many matches that I loved this year. So for her, like it was, there was, like, I hate to say it, but like she's like sort of in that canvas like riddle where there was never even really like a thought in my mind that crossed maybe, maybe Michael, Michael Sonomar makes my top 50. She is going to make the top 100 for sure, but there was never, uh, uh, thought in my mind that oh yeah maybe I should consider back over the top fifty. It just was never anything that crossed me. Um and that was your uh 38 eight all right so for me my thirty seven a guy that you don't have I'm assuming but you know if you if you were watching I know you'd be in love with the guy and you probably do love the guy since you are an old DNA boy but my number thirty seven is Cody Yumeda.
1: Uh, no, no. Um, again, probably coming from the what DDT I've watched. I've really picked and choose, especially it's so hard with DDT because so many of their shows are so fucking long. So um, when I pick and choose, I'm really you know being pretty judicious about it because if I get started with kind of more undercard stuff, I end up getting sucked into just watching the full shows.
0: You know, Coda is one of my uh, was one of my favorite. DNA boys back in that DNA first class and when DNA was first uh getting off the ground. So it really warms my heart to see Coda really coming to his own this year and really um step forward. Now I wish I wish he still got more more opportunities. I would have liked to see him in either the in either of the King tournaments this year. Um but you know he still has time for all that. Still really young. And for me, the guy just stepped up, and he was a big part of the Maji Maji TV show this year. Uh, whether it was in singles matches um, with his trial series, whether it uh, was in tag matches, little short sprints. Um, he became really one of the best sprint workers in um, in, the, in the world this year, honestly. His sprint, his little sprint with Mal, was definitely one of the most enjoyable little sub-10-minute matches I've seen this year. But matches with Dick Togo and uh Masato Tanaka and Shinya Aoki and Kazusada Haguchi uh the tag match against Tatsuki Sekimoto and Haguchi teaming with Mao uh delivering you, delivering all the time in those, for those uh in those six man tag title, title matches. He's a guy that always made the most of his opportunities and for a guy that young, you know, still fighting for a spot on the roster, not as over or pushed as you know, a contemporary like a Higuchi is. You know, I think you made a took real solid steps into finding his lane in that company. And you know, people always say this when a new, young, um, more kick kick area kick oriented um, shoot style kid comes around. But more than anyone that's came around the last few years, Cody Yamada really reminds me of Kenta. You can tell that he really modeled his moveset at least after Kenta. A lot of the general demeanor definitely comes from Kenta. So being someone that's a Kenta super fan and seeing Koda take those strides and becoming like really similar to the guy while still having his own unique flavor, that was definitely something that was going to appeal to me. And Coda just, you know, he was it was straight to the point. But I liked every single thing Cody made it offered me this year.
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely see the Kenta always kind of did um but uh i gotta watch more of him now then i'm gonna have to catch up because there's there's multiple people one of which you just mentioned who uh i was just thinking about i'm like god i wish i had watched more because he probably would have made my list based on what i did see was Mao as well so my ddt catch up will be interesting um but uh speaking of ddt (laughs) my 27 is also a uh ddt wrestler yuda Higuchi.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I have Higuchi a lot higher.
1: That's what I would figure.
0: Um. All right, my thirty-six is Takuya Namora.
1: Yeah, I don't have Namora. I think we were talking about him off air, but I don't remember where I have him. He's like in the eighties or something.
0: Yeah, like again, like if you just watch more, I know you'd have to like Takuya really high. But you know, Takuya is another guy where it's not necessarily volume with him, but it's seeing Takuya make the strides. Takuya has the match with Hideki Suzuki this year that a lot of people, some people view it as like a match of the year contender. I didn't view it that highly. I still went four stars on it, but a really great match. And, you know, after the um, Takuya's first couple of years getting as a feet under him as a rookie, you know, that's a, that was a great sign for the stuff, kind of stuff that Takuya could eventually accomplish. And... Really, what kind of makes it for him is uh, teaming with uh, Fuminori Abe and the stuff that they were really able to accomplish uh, later on in the year as the astronauts. And I don't have Fuminori Abe on my list, which would definitely uh, sort of be a controversial exclu- exclusion, considering I have Takuya. But, you know, that Hideki-Suzuki match definitely took Takuya over the top, and, Fum- and Fuminori Abe doesn't have anything like that to boast. And... Like I said, something similar to Yumeta is really straightforward, you know, kick oriented shooty boy. He can do some really great, convincing looking mat work. He can hang in there with uh, other young guys. He doesn't feel out of place, you know, throwing bombs with your Daisuke Sekimoto's and Hideki Suzuki's and other people in that BJW strong class. But, you know, seeing Takuya, like, put on the weight and bulk up, and he's still really good at selling, still one of the best strikers in the game. Um, I really love the Fuminori Abe match from January, and you know it's a guy where if you get it, you get it. If it's like, if he's your cup of tea, he's your cup of tea. He's gonna do well for you. And if he's not, then whatever. And Takuya Nomura is exactly my cup of tea, and I thought he took strides this year, and this is where this is why he winds up at thirty six.
1: Okay, that makes uh that makes sense. Um, I do need to just watch more. My thirty six, I don't think you're gonna have is Joey Janela. No, I have
0: told you, no, I'm higher than you. I have a good bit of Wow. Kind of shocked. All right. Yeah, so am
1: I. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, man.
0: Um, 35 is the person I alluded to as having a similar um, case as Matt Riddle, but, you know, I just wasn't liking his year more. Number 35 for me is Keith Lee.
1: Oh, damn. Okay. Um, I didn't get Keith on my list this year. <sighs> you know
0: if I say this in all seriousness, if Keith Lee does not sign to WWE when he does, and we maybe get him for another like three months, he's in my top 10. I enjoyed the fuck out of Keith Lee this year. And this was all over the place. This was, um, I really loved him. Um, in that Neon Knights match, um, at the, at the Neon Knights show on PWG against Matt Riddle. Fucking one of the... Like, if like we talk about bangers, like, that's one of the biggest bangers. Like, you know, straight-up spot-fast, bomb-fast matches you'll see all year. Fucking phenomenal stuff. I loved him versus ACH. I loved his stuff Uh, during 16-karat weekend. And it was kind of understated because, you know, Keith Lee wasn't doing a lot, but, like, you, should, you, see, you see the variety that Keith Lee can offer. You know, whether it was the Dreisker match, the Chris Brooks match, the David Starr match. These aren't all blow-away blow matches, but you see how moldable and uh able to fit into any situation that Keith Lee is. And that's what took it over the top for me this year with him, is that it wasn't about great matches necessarily like he had great matches i liked a lot against zach and riddle and ach and all these other people i just mentioned but what i wanted from keith was that development to see that like he's a guy that you can put any place on the card and you know he'll deliver for you whether it's like opening match main event he can be your top guy he can work on top as a heel anything that i wanted from keith lee this year he gave to me and it sucks that I couldn't get a little bit more of it. You know, going down my list now, I just remember his uh, rematch with Omari from uh, Fight Club Pro, um, a SAC Pro, the Wrestle House show from earlier in the year, and all that stuff. And God, uh, he could like he could have done really really good things with like um, Joey Janela. Seeing how Joey Janela had really good matches with them, the likes of Walter and uh, Jonah Rock this year, and seeing him. Uh, get to wrestle with Darby Allen over WrestleMania weekend, um, and work on top and be a commanding, dominating heel. If Keith Lee got a few more months, he would be would or he would be so much higher for me, because I just was over the moon about every single aspect of his work. He toned down the fact that he's a big man and he can do athletic spots which is definitely one of my biggest gripes with him last year and that that's what a lot of his work felt like that i'm a, I'm a big guy but ooh, look at me i can do lucha chain wrestling and that's great and all but that's not what i'm looking for in a big guy necessarily and keith lee's confidence and swagger really came through when he wanted to be this big commanding dominating heel um shit if his um stuff against Tracy Williams was better he'd be he'd be on my list but I didn't love that I didn't love that stuff so much so that's another issue for him but I was over the moon about Keith and while obviously like when someone's been wrestling as long as Keith has been um, in a grinding away for years when like Keith has been in the, in the um, Texas um, local scene and in, rel- in relative obscuri- obscurity into the last couple of years like you're happy when Keith gets signed but god like I'm I would love to know where Keith would have been for me if he didn't get signed when he did. Because I was all on board with, you know, this being the year where Keith Lee finally took that leap into being a total package wrestler.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Keith, I think, is a guy who missed my list just from being off my mind. Um, And I I legitimately just didn't think of him, but you made a lot of great... Like a lot of those matches were fantastic and he was really good. He probably could have made my list probably lower, maybe higher than Riddle, but in that range. Yeah, so what I saw that you definitely didn't see was was Keith Lee in this random match with uh, the three-way with Killer Cross and JT Dunn in MPW where he was like completely the uh the glue for the whole thing and uh held the entire match together like just so dynamically um that was really impressive in a small building and stuff and again he's a guy that probably would have ended up on my list if he had crossed my mind when i was making it um so my number 35 i don't think you'd have higher but i can't imagine he doesn't make your list is mark davis mark davis i do have higher yes okay
0: my number thirty-four. Someone you definitely want to have on your list is Barbara Cavernario.
1: Oh no, um, yeah, he's close, but no.
0: Um, so the thing with Cav this year for me is, uh, you no, know, he doesn't have a lot, you know, as compared to like last year when he was going around, um, and having like that awesome match with a uh, Black Terry or a couple of years ago against Black Terry. I forgot when that happened, but he doesn't have a match like that to boast this year. But what I do think is interesting about him is that I do think he really sort of took his place as the top Bruto in the CMLL, finally. You know, between um winning the uh Lucha de Apuestas match at the uh, Anniversario and um just uh winning uh Leander de Plata uh beating uh Ray Phoenix. I think it's there is clear they're really trying to get behind Cavernario as the top Rudo, which really, you know, a couple years late on that, because he's sort of, like, really been the heir to Negro Casas that Team Lau has uh, has needed, or the person that's, like, really able to fill that void. And to be totally honest with you, like, I, those matches, I don't love. Like, I really, I do like the um, SAG team hair match on the Anniversario, but I don't really like those Ray Phoenix matches that much. For me, the casemakers for cavernario are the matches against soberano jr who i have a little bit higher on my list um and really like those guys to me were like the breath of fresh air that i needed lucia because like those barbaro cavernario versus soberano matches are complete ass kickings you know mask ripping like soberano's pants getting ripped like some of the best beatdown stuff you'll see all year whether it was you know um, like their Friday match or whatever, and then they can go. To, then they can go to Guadalajara and have a, a more uh, typical lucha style uh, title match, which is still kicking a lot of ass. And that's really like what makes Barbaro Cavernario's case for me this year. He has a lot of good matches, but he's always going to the guy delivers ever- everywhere against everybody, and he's going to at least make something interesting, even if it's not a great match. But for me this year. I think becoming or starting to or, or taking the steps to becoming the clear top Rudo and CMLL meant a lot to me and seeing a guy, you know, so, so like still so young, you know, maybe not even 25 yet. Like get to that point definitely meant a lot to me after seeing, you know, how good he's been in maybe like the luchador of the decade. If I had to um, turn into, we don't know wrestling, uh 2010s ballot tomorrow, he might be my highest rated luchador. And, I can only see brighter things for him coming in the next uh, couple of years or so, you know, seeing uh, how he's being pushed.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing with him too, is like, for me, I kind of, I won't say it checked out, but I kind of lost any semblance of uh, expecting much from him when I heard from somewhere that like he didn't really plan on wrestling for very long. Um, Just based on, I guess, having like a career outside of wrestling or something um but really still has been delivering big and being focused on more this year which is something i never thought he would get um so i'm with you and i if i could pay attention to more lucha he'd probably end up higher on my list but what i do see from him i always really enjoy um which is rare because i don't really enjoy a lot of lucha which you know um my 34 and then saying that my 34 is technically a luchador but his entire case is not made in mexico at all it's bandito which i don't think is going to be on your list oh uh, no nah. <laughs> this is gonna be yeah. an interesting one yeah I, didn't, I mean i i don't think you like bandito i mean i don't think you hate him but i don't i don't I don't,
0: this, I don't dislike bandito
1: it's yeah yeah you go but go ahead go ahead no no so for me like i was really really excited for him when he showed up in dragon gate Um, and I probably wouldn't have been as into it if it wasn't for the fact that like I was watching, especially at that time, even the smaller shows and stuff because of, uh, Zach and Desmond being there, because there are two guys who I was really high on last year and wanted to continue to watch more, especially with the, you know, being invested in them, uh, going to Dragon Gate because of the connection, knowing that like, you know, Ricochet, um, Put in the word for them and that i just thought that they would get really good in that setting but then that meant that there was a lot of crossover between them and flamito and bandito and especially even bandito actually more than flamita um kind of um, so yeah like that really um opened my eyes to how cool he was then they showed up in, P- in pwg and it was like really exciting for me having been following it knowing that they were going to have a match with, with those teams against each other, um, in PWG live. So I was like, I think I went to that show primarily for that match. If I think that about it, was the first it, really. show at
0: um, the Globe? I'm pretty sure.
1: What was it? Yeah, mm, you know, it might have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, it was. I think. Yeah, that was the first right. show at the
0: Globe because I had um Jeff Cobb versus Jonah. Um, yeah, and, Ke- and uh, Keith Lee versus Chuck. I'm pretty sure.
1: Right. Yeah, and and. uh and I was not that excited for Saber versus Riddle. I wasn't excited for Jonah versus Rock, which ended up being my match of the night. Um, Osprey versus Brooks, I expected to be bad. You know what I mean? So, like, I was, like, what ended up drawing me to the show was the locals four-way that I was, you oh, know, man, wanted to see man, those man, guys man, get a shot. That's so fucking rude now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, this show was awesome. Um i wanted really wanted to see the locals four-way and then that tag match because i had seen it in dragon gate so i was like excited and when the show opened up with horace and Janela, i was like fuck this show i shouldn't have come like i did (laughs) not i was not into that and then everything else just ended up delivering like super bangers even the saber versus riddle match i was low on coming in like ended up being what i thought was one of their best matches against each other um so like it just really killed it for me but they fucking brought it and instantly exploded on the scene after that, especially with Bandito. And I just think that like, I get it because I've been on, I've been on the Flamita truther side, but there is something to the way he carries himself and some of the stuff that he does that Flamita doesn't do. Like Flamita doesn't have the power game that Bandito does. Um, Flamita is kind of a better flyer in a lot of ways. And there's like no real reason, but also Bandito has just better charisma. Like it just pours, off of the guy he's does, just he's does, got does swagger he like <laughs> yeah man he's got a fucking swagger that flamita just does not have flamita does this cool shit but he never he's always seems shaky like he's concerned and bandito does it with disregard that kind of i don't know if Flamita takes me out of it for a moment because i can see that he's trying to do something
0: yeah. and he's
1: like really focused on it so, it makes me forget that it's real. And Bandito, it seems so much more effortless in the moment that it feels like he's just doing a natural thing. Mm. It's like it, it really comes down to it that Flamita, a lot of times, seems like he's trying too hard at doing stuff. And Bandito seems more effortless and it really comes across more real. So, like, that's the thing that really made him stand out. You talked about the Eagles match. That was fucking amazing. Um, I mean, he continues to have you know just crazy awesome tag matches yeah, you, is... like, you
0: can't talk about like bandito's case i'm talking about like you know the Bola triple threat um right. final and like granted i didn't love that match but a lot of people came out of that match like wow like bandito is so awesome
1: yeah no i know and i mean that's just kind of how i i felt i mean throughout the year again he was always the the top performer for me um in those matches and then he's got great singles matches, especially all of the Bola matches. I mean, the T-Hawk match I thought was great. Um, The Joy Janela match was good. The Flamita singles match was really good also, obviously, but it doesn't make his case above him. But then, but then, yeah, the triple threat. Um, So yeah, to me, I mean, the guy just, again, the charisma being such a big factor standing out, I mean, being a star this year, and he he really did that. He really became a big-time star, it felt like, especially in PWG. And really feels like the the guy of, like, the Globe Theater. He's the first star at the Globe Theater in PWG. But then also, I mean, I thought some of the matches in the UK, and, and especially the matches in Dragon Gate, were really good. So, so I mean, he's just got a – to me, it's just like a big case on why he's better than, than, uh, than Flamita. But I get why other people might not see it.
0: Uh, it's not even like, 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 I won't fight someone that thinks Bandito is better than Flamina. Um, for me, it's like, that like feels like a case of, like, coolness, like, bleeding over into people just being, like, eager to see someone. And, that, and, that's, and that's not a problem. Like, that's part of wrestling. Like, something being cool is part of why you want to go see it. But then, for me, you know, when we go sit here and do nerdy things like this, and we talk about, like, who's the best wrestlers? I just haven't been super impressed with bandito like bandito looks great he has an awesome fucking mask maybe like one of the best masks i've ever seen in lucha like it's that great but a lot of the time in his matches i'm left a little dry by it um the tag matches like the um, the um maximum blood tag matches i thought got really old really fast they're super formulaic you know um and they never really show any uh, any dimensions you know as opposed to, like, say, and and granted, they've had like a shorter stint, but like they have um way less dimensions to them than say um like the Lucha Brothers have, and that's um uh, something that really goes to their detriment is that they never really show me anything else other than besides like we're like really athletic spot guys, and a lot of my list that this year like isn't athletic spot guys. So there's a lot of guys that you know have really well rounded games, at least in my opinion. And have, like, shown, a, uh, like, a big variety in what they can do. And it wasn't Flamita, and it wasn't Bandito this year for me. And, you know, it's not a thing where I don't where I don't like them. You know, I'm glad that um, another luchador has broken through and getting these bookings all over the place. You're always happy to see that, but, you know, it just, it just wasn't my style this year. Maybe I'll be able to get back into that stuff um, in 2019, but I just felt myself getting more and more away from it and bendito uh the only me for that matter being like being like the uh i guess poster boy of that style or that style of wrestling you know they, they just weren't gonna make my list
1: yeah i can't blame you for that and i mean that idea what you're saying there is why like ozzy open is not on my list really mm. um You know, they're both on there separately because, yeah, like the tag work helps bolster their cases, but does feel repetitive and samey and stuff like that. So I can definitely see that. But there was something to me, and this is definitely biased from being there live, but being part of the group that everyone's talking about in the PWG crowd that's super into Bandito, like it's infectious. Like Mm. you really there is a reason why he feels like he's the biggest star there because he does in the building feel Mm. like the biggest star at PWG shows now.
0: Right, and I do think eventually, like when, if they ever run Jeff Cobb versus Bandito for the PWG title, like Jeff Cobb the perfect guy for Bandito to wrestle because Jeff Cobb is such a great base, yeah, and, and all that stuff. So whenever they get to that, I'm actually really looking forward to it because I think that's actually a really good match on paper, as opposed to like something I was really not looking forward to if if Bandito had won the title if Bandito had won Bola like Walter versus Bandito like I did like I didn't want to see that.
1: But I'm
0: all all on board with, like, Jeff Cobb versus Bandito.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that does make sense. We'll see. I mean, they got Jeff Cobb versus versus Trevor Lee coming up soon. It almost feels like they might be doing gold watch for Trevor on the way out because he does feel like a character who's deserved the title for a long time. Yeah.
0: Man, I'm going to miss Trevor. But uh, moving on, Uh, my 33, a guy that you'll have significantly higher than me, is Tommaso Ciampa.
1: Uh yes, and I think similar for my 33 in Kanosuke Takashida.
0: Actually, my next guy. Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, so Kanosuke Takashida. Um, there's not a lot to say about Takashida this year, but like, it's it's one of those things where in him being de-emphasized, you really just get to see like how complete of a wrestler this guy is. Um, starting off the year, um and DK and having um not he wasn't one of the best guys in it but you know Takeshi is still one of the best wrestlers in the world and he got a lot of really good matches against guys like uh
1: Endo and Jiro um and all that um uh, yeah and something I was say just in case I forget it because it's in my head right now based on you saying that is while not being one of the top performers he did do stuff like have the best Jiro match and the best Joey Ryan match. He yeah. was having the best matches with the worst workers, which speaks to what you're saying about, um, showing off how well rounded he is. Mm. Um,
0: going out and, um, having a rematch with Shuji Ishikawa, um, and, and, uh, actually beating him this time, um, in the February show. I actually really liked his, uh, title match versus Shigehiro Irie, which again, a lot of people don't like Irie, but I enjoyed that stuff. And from then, and from there on, you really get to see, um, how Takashita does in a uh, less-emphasized uh, role, with um, it being uh, more about Irie and the controversy around him and Daisuke Sasaki and all this stuff. While Takashita's still pushed, right now we're seeing Takashita form his own little group now. We're starting to see All Out um, become more fleshed out. We're starting to see Takashita as a force on uh, Maji Manji, uh, having that awesome 20-minute draw against uh, Kazusada Higuchi um the tag match against uh Sekimoto and Higuchi, team with Shunya Katsumata, which is really one of the best tag matches of the year. A match I absolutely adore. Uh really a lot of those all out tag matches, um, especially the ones like against Stronghearts, when strong hearts invade DDT and all that stuff. Um, real, real big case maker for him is that Shima match from uh Peter Pan which is fucking incredible. And I absolutely adore his selling in that match coming into the second D King tournament of the year. And he has another phenomenal selling performance uh, this time selling his back against speedball, Mike Bailey, a really good endo match in um, more matches. I haven't seen yet, but it was a guy like, and he came in as a tag team guy when he first started in DDT, but really come, seeing him come into his own as a leader and seeing him return to his tag team roots, and six-man tag team roots, seeing him turn in some fantastic selling performances, seeing him thrive in a year where he spent nearly a year as KOD Openweight Champion, and to see how he was able to keep himself interesting and um just go bounce all over the card and do whatever he needed to, because Takashi is a guy that's going to work hard and do whatever on any show, whether it's a beer garden show, even smaller show the big shows talking to you the same level of effort every single night. And that's one of those reasons why I love the guy and why, um, other than my blunder of just like, just like forgetting him last year, he would have been in my top 10 from my, for <sighs> our, our 2017 recordings, you know, yeah, it, he just does. Everything. He's really becoming like, like, you know, one of those David star types where he's just so complete. And, um, you know, with the scene, with the wrestling world looking the way it is right now, Takeshita is a guy that has real potential to be like an honest number one contender next year. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for him. What the future holds for him, because you know, I mentioned it with Akito that uh, All Out is showing signs of a potential heel turn coming, and I would love to see what a heel Konosuke Takeshita looks like. And yeah. he's still and... fucking 23 years old. Like this dude is really unfair. Like.
1: Yeah. And he still has a lot left. And I think this is kind of the first rinse repeat in DDT, which is something that is always in the question for a newer, younger wrestler and DDT is how they're going to do because that's how DDT cycles, man. I mean, they cycle their card more than people realize. And you have to be resilient to make it in ddt as a guy long term because they don't they won't get rid of you but you'll just you slowly become nothing and sink into the card and no one really cares and 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 only
0: and then then they'll decide they want to push you again like like yeah it's it's a real wishy-washy company which is like while i love ddt like that's one of the um the thing as far as like the way i view wrestling is like you know it's such a wishy-washy top of the card
1: yeah, and the thing about it is that you have to be a strong character to stand out. That's why there's only a handful of guys in their history of DDT who stand out because they didn't they didn't ever going through that rinse cycle get devalued to the point where they couldn't then be super effective on the top. You got guys like Abushi, Kenny, her, you know, Hiroshima. And then it looks like Takashita and his first rinse cycle is like going to come out the other side, probably just as strong and be able to come back. I mean, yes, he had a super long title run and that helps obviously, but I mean, also he's just a super complete wrestler who can and, make it in every role. And, and even then in DDT,
0: a super long title run like that is kind of risky. Like,
1: Right. No, I mean, a lot of times that can hurt you. So it's not necessarily to even say that like that is a 100% good thing. No, that's a good, that's a really good point. Um, so yeah, I mean the guy again can bounce back from being all over the card be very interesting and I do I'm with you I think that him building out all out in a lot of ways where being more involved with all out and not feeling like out was just there to service him as the champion has been really good yeah and like, really like, actually,
0: like, that's the thing about like you know him coming into his own he's, he's felt like he's elevated these guys like before um we get more of these all out tag matches he wrestled Shunma, um. And they had an awesome little sprint, and it felt like he's elevated Shima. It felt like he's helped like um, keep a like put Akito back in that conversation I was like, oh shit, Akito, yeah, he's really good. Um, really helped developing um, Ieno and all and all that stuff. And you know, like I thought, um, and Akima, like strong, like strong Hearts was awesome, and they were always gonna um, be a fun group to watch. But you know. Stronghearts had their best stuff in DDT facing All Out. It wasn't they, it, it wasn't nearly as good facing Damnation. And I think that says something to the kind of energy mm-hmm. and excitement that Kanesuke Takashita still brings to situations.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's it. And again, he's been... Really good and really going to come back, I think, strong. And again, like you said, 23 and poised to, I mean, he could be number one because poised with the way everything's going, he could be actually be like the ace of the biggest company in Japan next year, possibly even being in the mix with other stuff. Like, you know, like it's not crazy to think that next year with the way everything's going, New Japan will still continue to be big, but whatever everything's going on and the kind of working with America and if people are leaving and, and just stuff like that affecting it, which I mean, it won't really affect new Japan that much. If like the elite guys and Kenny and all that leave, like the company will roll on, but Takashita could be poised to be the top guy in like a Japanese promotion. That's actually working around the world, maybe Mm -hmm. working with other companies, getting him all over the place. So it's not, it's not a hundred percent likely, but also it's just not, it's not crazy in general also because DDT can kind of, is becoming the work promotion in a weird way. Um, Just for like what a lot of us are enjoying more and him being the top of that again could be interesting. Um, That's 33. No, that was your 32, right? So Yeah. Yeah. So my 32, I don't think there's any chance you have them as a team and I don't think there's any chance that you have them higher or so on your list at all. Basically is the rascals.
0: Yeah. The rascals did not make my list.
1: Yeah, I, didn't, I wouldn't think so. Um, it's a lot of the same cases Bandito because they're in a lot of those same matches, but then also um, the Rascals got around a lot more, like a lot more and felt like big important parts of different places. Um, matches in AAW where I wouldn't say that they they formed, but where Desmond initially stood out, I think, um, before Zach was really yeah, Des- around. Desmond,
0: them. Because Desmond had the uh, Ricochet match that really yeah, like, it- set, set him apart.
1: Yeah, and then a lot of um, like some scramble matches. That big dive off the balcony, I remember from a scramble yeah. match and stuff like that.
0: It seemed um, like they were uh, pushing him, like 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 getting him like ready to make him like a title contender, and then just the rascals don't matter in AW anymore. It's weird.
1: Yeah. So then, yeah. So then, you know, um, they they've had they had some matches there. PWG, obviously the tag title run, I thought was amazing, and PWG really really dug it a lot. Um, them showing up in England is always fun because it always feels so random um and they really put it together i mean they're in the just to me i mean they have a star quality cool moves, stuff that stands out great charisma um together they just they play off of each other so well desmond has come into it weirdly desmond has come into his own as well um in a way that's like really cool um he's got a, a star power that now competes i think that zach um Always kinda felt like he had a lot of personality and Desmond felt a little bit more like maybe he was shy now they like both have a lot of personality coming out that works together, uh play off of each other really well. Um really liked a lot of Zach's singles work, especially in um CZW this year, um and then also um had a couple matches in Evolve that were pretty good, um especially the AR Fox match, but AR Fox has also been amazing in Evolve this year. Um so, you know there's like there's that stuff, Desmond, obviously as well has had a couple good singles matches, especially some of his stuff in impact has been pretty good, um not you know an insane amount the jeff Cobb match in a a w with Desmond I really really liked from early in the yeah, year i
0: like it I liked it a lot too did you um see uh Zach versus uh David starr from the best of the best finals
1: uh yes, yes did how did you feel about that um i wouldn't say that I was like low on it or hated it, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> um, it wasn't, I don't know, I it was good, um, but I think I felt like Zach weirdly got, um, just felt out of place, you mm, know what I mean, right? And just, yeah, it just did not weirdly, Zach just doesn't make sense there, <laughs> um, in CZW. Um, or not? I, I mean, I wouldn't say it doesn't make sense there in CCW, but um, just didn't make sense in that match. David Starr, um, super. I don't know. David Starr is usually better at kind of blending with someone, and I wouldn't say that it didn't work, but it wasn't. Um, it,
0: it was. It was like a. It was like David Starr doing like a serious David Starr match, and then like not realizing Zach Wentz isn't the guy to do that with
1: yeah and it's like you wouldn't expect that from star that was like the weirdest part about it really mm. um because star is usually so good at working with anybody so that was like but it was i still actually really liked it and yeah. i thought that it that it worked really well and i think it was like i don't know stupidly it feels like star like should have won best of the best already <laughs> at this point so like he really felt like he shouldn't have even really even been in best of the best anymore um in 2018 yeah, but yeah, it was yeah, good it look, to get yeah, him that way
0: like um it was like David Star One, like okay, cool, like, like yeah. Feels like three years, like feels like three or two years late there.
1: Yeah, I know. So that was like the weird part, but I did really like the match, um, and yeah, and Desmond Desmond had Osprey match in CZW that was actually really good. Um, I liked the Brian Cage match in in um, Impact. I thought that Desmond looked great in there. So, like, they both had good singles matches, but their tag stuff was the best stuff. And then the Stronghearts stuff really was, is like, been super cool, either wrestling against them or tagging with Se- Shima. Um, like, the, the, the trios in PWG especially being there live for them, tagging with Shima was really, really cool. Um, just because uh, they, again, it was another one of those ones where, like, I was talking about, like, not being overshadowed. They felt like they were right in place with Shima and they weren't overshadowed by him. Um, so it just, it just goes to show like being Shima really is, I mean, super underrated for how great he is at making stars <laughs> out mm. of people. So like, you know, we got Pac back on the Indies now and, uh, and like part of the conversation is like Shima really helped to build him, um, into what he is. And like, yeah. So like, you know, there's that for Shima, but either way, I mean, he, he also helped really build these guys into feeling like a big deal. And now to me, like, they got they've got they're touring the world they've been PWG tag team champions and they feel like big deal stars so like when you talk about the indie wrestling doesn't have stars to me like the rascals right now feel like probably in that conversation for being like star Level it just, I think they just need to get a little bit more name recognition. I think unfortunately for them they stumble because they changed their name. Yeah. I think at a bad time. But I think that if they were more recognizable to more people by name, I think that they would be like bigger, Mm -hmm. seen as bigger stars.
0: And I I think they just, and I think they just haven't had that marquee match yet. Like people are really excited to see them versus the Young Bucks, and I don't think that Young Bucks match like delivered on the level that you would hope, especially for a team like so influenced by the Young Bucks as the Rascals are. that definitely hurt them a lot too, I think, for sure. Um but you know, and I don't watch them, but I gotta give impact credit here, you know. Guys like LAX and the Rascals really have found homes in Impact and have actually like helped elevate their stock. You yep. know? And it's like it's something where, you know, as a person as someone that was a longtime impact viewer and that got burned so many times that I gave up, you know. Seeing how they are able to, like, help elevate these guys makes me want to tune back in and see, like, how they've been helping people. Because then you see people, like, you know, talking about how, like, how good Tessa Blanchard has gotten and um, all that kind of stuff. And it makes you want to tune back in. And I think they've done a similar job, like, helping elevate the Rascals to that kind of level.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Tessa Blanchard was someone who I debated. She was really close to making my list, too. And someone else who's showing up there now to become a star is Jordan Grace also. So, yeah, I mean, like, Impact is – they're doing a really good job at building stars. They may not have the best matches. And I think that it was crazy when people were talking about – whatever show from earlier in the year pay-per-view was like show of the year so, level anniversary
0: like, it had like uh it had penta versus sammy callahan and lax versus the ogs and uh
1: yeah moose yeah
0: aries which i I still plan on watching that moose versus aries match just because i'm like it so, was fine you know i'm like so curious on what people saw at that but yeah like that was the show people were
1: going crazy for yeah and i thought that that take was crazy and i've watched some impact this year I've like actually paid attention to stuff and like that's why Tessa Blanchard was so close to being on my list because she's been great there but yeah I mean the thing about it is a lot of people are being able to transfer that star power from Impact into other places and it's helping because of the new contracts that Impact has done where they allow people to use their same characters and names outside of impact when they leave so mm-hmm. that does I, that I, is part of that
0: not only that like people are like allowed to work impact and they're allowed to go like work all over the indies like depending on the kind of contract you have obviously but you know guys like uh sammy callahan are still able to go work aw and mlw and you know your rich swans and um and all those guys are still rank cage do, yeah are able to do are able to go do all those same things impact being so flexible with what they allow um there are guys to do and really sort of like having these like working agreement with, with promotions like MLW and Lucha Underground has made guys like, even if I don't necessarily like them, you know, like a Sammy Callahan, like Brian Cage, Desmond, uh, Sammy. I, I like Sammy, but you know, guys that didn't make my list, like they're able to go all over the place. And if I was into them, they'd have like super high volume cases because they were able to go all over the place and just work all these major promotions
1: yeah no that's true
0: um but we're reaching the end of our time here um with our 31s so i don't think i don't think you'll have this guy on your list you could but my number 31 is scotty davis
1: oh no and that was a debate he was almost he was like in the the conversation for me for being like that 50 spot that went to more more than hype but um but uh yeah, no, and I've really liked him, but um not maybe not as much as you, obviously.
0: Uh now Scotty is uh he has a lot of stuff he should work on. Uh definitely needs to decide or get better at the striking. You no, know, he does a lot of wild stuff and doesn't nearly doesn't always hit or look good. And I think that's one stuff he needs to make. I think he needs to get better um at selling but scotty davis for an 18 year old kid can do so much in a wrestling ring and that impresses me so much and that's why he really even gets on my list is that while more than height are like maybe the most polished scotty is just able to do everything you could ever ask for Great mat wrestling, obviously coming from a really extensive uh amateur wrestling background. Um great throws, can wrestle on the mat with anybody, um, can do the flying stuff, just as well as anybody. Um, super athletic and stringy body. Um, yet it hasn't filled out. I think he has a look to him, you know, kinda Tyler Bate ish, but you know, I think a little bit more of a edge to him than young Tyler Bate had. Um I think he can strike or has the potential to be a good striker, but again, he's focused on uh, doing cool stuff right now instead of making his strikes uh, look effective. And I think that's what's holding him back a little bit. But even with that being said, the flaws Scotty has really don't outweigh the poise and just the overall ability Scotty has shown at his young age. You know, being able to have matches like a main event match on a contender show, going. Nearly thirty minutes with Terry with um Terry Thatcher, uh, having an awesome match with Chris Ridgway. Awesome match, um, on all the contender shows. Really, uh, getting his ass beat by Mark Haskins and have that that great match there. The uh confusing six man tag, then eventual tri- triple threat match that happened <laughs> um on one of those big OTT shows. Um, I thought he was one of the best guys in it. Uh, the Mark Davis match from one of the most recent. big ott shows you know i could see saying that i have scotty a little bit too high but fuck it man like scotty just impressed the shit out of me this year and i totally recognize that nathan is way more polished than him i totally get saying that lj um is more charismatic than him and um could have could have this spot too but i think scotty really went out there and um in positions where you know a guy like a guy like that's 18 years old could easily sort of fall on his face you know being given like this much time in these bigger matches and he didn't he just went up there and delivered uh every single time I thought and I think he's only going to get better and like I'm not like, I'm like there's so many good guys coming out of that OTT um contender school that I'm not going to say you can call Scotty the Crown jewel because he's not you know LJ is great. Darren is great. Nathan is great. But seeing how Scotty has sort of like captured the imagination, at least as a singles guy, I think that's why I value that more over, you know, if more than hype, like hypothetically in this scenario, like weren't together, are they making as much noise? I don't know. I'll have an answer to that. that. But I don't think, well, I don't, I don't think that they would have been, uh, as uh, prone to deliver in these situations as Scotty has been as singles guys, and they have done well in their singles opportunities. But I feel like Scotty has knocked it out of the park several times, which is why uh, it gets him right here on my list.
1: Yeah, and that uh, that all makes sense. I mean, you're completely right, and I haven't watched everything, um, all of Scotty Davis's matches this year, really and everything i've what i've seen i've really liked um quite a bit and yeah i just didn't uh didn't really have the uh the the ability to get him on my uh my list um but i probably should and honestly i don't even think of him so he's probably gonna have to find a spot somewhere in the top 100. um so my 31 i don't think you'll have and um it makes sense really um, is uh, a baszler i actually do i have Shayna higher than you <laughs> oh wow fuck okay well which, which is actually really surprising wow it's super surprising for me i guess it's just like that she you know her resume is like short when it comes to matches but her character work is what really did it and a lot of great promos and uh, even commentary and stuff but yeah, yeah but that's like
0: the, huh. i'm surprised because like you have champa really high i'm pretty sure so Shayna only being at around uh, thirty-one for you, and Grant, I only have I only have Shayna a couple spots, couple spots higher. Okay. But, um, Champa being so high for you, and, and then relatively Shayna being like so low, that's a shocker because you're you're such a big Shayna uh, Shayna proponent.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Um, that's a good point, but I guess just fewer matches, really fewer matches. I mean, Champa does have. At least, I think some more matches. Maybe not, but some just better quality. And also Champa, I don't know. It just he really, really hit a level that Chena just didn't quite get there, even with the promo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's anticlimactic for the last. <laughs> <laughs> it really is one for the for the show. You know, I'm looking at my next few, and it it looks like a bumpy road um, <laughs> for the conversation. But uh, but yeah.
0: Uh, like you know part one all these are coming out at the same time so everyone can just go from this and <laughs> the little anticlimactic ending and go straight into part two um but thank you for joining me timothy hope you guys all tuned into part two i would it would be weird if you just listened to this part and didn't ever jump back into the series but uh assuming you're all gonna be joining us for the next episode thank you all for listening join us in a minute it's a cool lab. Real cool with
2: your cool ass, with your cool ass Die soon we, real cool we Left school we, Learn late like we, C we, Jazz join, we Die soon we, die soon we, die soon with your cool ass